प्लीज वेलकम मिस्टर अभिजीत चावला गुड इवनिंग एवरीवन एंड आई वुड बिफोर आई बिगिन आई वुड लाइक टू थैंक योगिनी जी फॉर इनवाइटिंग मी टू दिस वंडरफुल इवेंट एंड आई वुड लाइक टू थैंक इंडिक एकेडमी फॉर ऑल द ग्रेट वर्क दे बिन डूइंग एंड आई वुड जस्ट लाइक टू से दैट इट्स अ ग्रेट ऑनर टू बी इन द प्रेजेंस ऑफ मेजर जनरल डॉक्टर जी डी बख्शी जी श्रीकांत जी एंड विवेक जी ग्रेट ऑनर सो द सेंट्रल टॉपिक ऑफ बोथ द बुक्स दैट वी आर लॉन्चिंग टूडे इज द क्वेश्चन ऑफ द ऑरिजिन of us the indian people and the question of the origin of india's civilization and india's culture and uh, religious traditions and of the sanskrit language which has been the glue that has held together india's civilization so this has become an extremely controversial topic there are two opposite sides two opposite narratives to this topic one side says that india's culture india's religion india's civilization and the sanskrit language are foreign in origin and the other side asserts that india's culture religion language sanskrit and civilization are indigenous they are native to india now one of these sides is wrong because both of these viewpoints cannot be correct at the same time so to unpack and understand this issue properly we need to travel back in time to its real origin and its real origin is several centuries before vasco da gama first set foot in india in 1498 so once upon a time several centuries before vasco da gama came to india and several century and just before the islamic invasions of india india had its own indigenous education system so we have all heard of the universities great universities of nalanda takshashila sharda and many more so these were just the tip of the iceberg india had tens maybe hundreds of these great universities and we are discovering new archaeological sites all the time so we had these great universities but india's education system was actually founded on the temples of india the temples were the backbone of the indian education system now there were temples throughout india every city every town every village every remote settlement had a temple in fact there is a tamil saying that never reside in a village where there's no temple so that's how important temples were to india so the town temple and the village te- temple was where you received your basic education every child received a basic education you would learn mathematics you would learn arithmetic you would learn every child would learn sanskrit and you would learn the basics of culture and history so this is this this education used to be enough for most children however some children would progress to a higher more prominent temple and there were thousands of these great larger temples in india and that's where you would not only study the vedas and the upanishads but you would also study subjects such as philosophy and logic and linguistics and uh, mathematics and calculus and trigonometry and medicine for example many subjects like these so these were these were not just religious institutions these were institutes of higher learning 
And then we had the great universities where the brightest and most worthy students were accepted. So that was the system of India's education. Now, when the Islamic invasions began, all of India's great universities and temples were destroyed. They are all in ruins today. And many of the smaller temples were also destroyed. So what happened was that we know that India's great universities were renowned for their immense libraries. They had huge libraries. The, the library at Nalanda, for example, is believed to have been nine stories tall. And these libraries were all burned down. And the library at Nalanda is known to have burned for over a month. So we can imagine how much knowledge we lost. We lost the records of thousands of years of our history. And that is how we became a people without a written history. And whatever history our ancestors were left with, they had to pass it down orally by word of mouth from generation to generation. And when the British occupied India, they deemed these oral histories of India as myths. And this is how foreign powers were able to control the narrative of our own history. So that is the background of the Aryan invasion theory. Now, when the Europeans first started coming to India in the 16th century, they began to notice striking similarities between the languages of India and the languages of Persia and the languages of Europe. So there are significant similarities in vocabulary and grammar, and these are too frequent and too consistent to be accidental, to be coincidental. So people were able to notice a correlation and a linkage between these languages. Now the term Indo-European languages first came into use in the early 19th century. And in the middle of the 19th century, in the 1850s, Max Müller first proposed the idea of two Aryan races, a Western Aryan race and an Eastern Aryan race. And he proposed that the homeland of this hypothetical Aryan race was somewhere in Central Asia, and that one branch moved into Europe and one branch moved into India. He ascribed greater prominence and value to the Western Aryan race. And he hypothesized that the Eastern branch of the Aryan race, which supposedly invaded India, was more powerful than the Indian natives, who were not so powerful and who were backward and easy to conquer. So this is the genesis, the, the, the starting point of the Aryan invasion theory. Then in the late 19th century, the British missionary, Robert Caldwell, divided the people of India into two categories, Aryans and Dravidians, based on perceived differences in skin color and language. So he proclaimed that he announced that uh, the people of South India are Dravidians. They are a separate race and that they are descended from the original natives of India. So this is how the Aryan-Dravidian split began. Now, in the 1800s, the British discovered the remains of an ancient river which began in the Himalayas, which flowed through western and northern India and drained into what is now known as the Arabian Sea. 
So this was a massive, very large river. It was much larger, larger than the Indus and more powerful than the Indus. And uh, the people who live in these regions where this river, river bed is found have always known that a great river, river once flowed through this place, through this region. And they identify this ancient river with the Vedic Saraswati, which is the greatest and most exalted river in the Rig Veda. And in the 1800s, the British historians and explorers also readily accepted this identification of this dry riverbed with the Vedic Saraswati. Then in the 1920s, the great cities of Mohenjo-daro and Harappa were discovered by the British. They were excavated by the British and they named this the Indus Valley Civilization. And in the light of this discovery, the Aryan invasion theory was modified to say that the Indus Valley Civilization was a Dravidian civilization, which was destroyed by the invading Aryans. So after the discovery of these two great cities, many more cities were gradually discovered, cities, towns, other settlements. And it emerged that many of these ancient sites were along the banks of this dry riverbed of the Saraswati. So today we know that there are, there are at least 1,500 unexplored archaeological sites along the dry riverbed of the Saraswati. And uh, the Saraswati has the most number of settlements out of all the rivers in the Septasindhu region. Therefore, it would be actually appropriate to call this civilization the Saraswati civilization instead of the Indus Valley civilization. So how old was this civilization? The oldest archaeological sites that we have found so far are approximately 9,000 years old. And there are thousands of unexplored sites, which means that the civilization could be far older than that. So the Saraswati civilization was the largest, most populous, most prosperous, and most advanced ancient civilization of all time. It was the world's first fully urban civilization. And it, its geographical extent started from Maharashtra in the south to Gandhara, which is Afghanistan in the north, and from Madhya Pradesh in the east, all the way to the western fringes of Balochistan in the west. So it was an enormous geographical expanse. And uh, its culture was something that we would all recognize and identify with. Because archaeologists have found large numbers of swastika seals, Pashupati seals, statuettes of people in various yoga poses, statuettes of people folding their hands in namaste, st female statuettes with the red pigment in the parting of their hair, and uh, statuettes of women wearing bangles, just like they do today. In fact, the English archaeologist John Marshall uh, said, and let me quote him, that taken as a whole, the Indus Valley people's religion is so characteristically Indian that one can hardly distinguish it from present-day Hinduism. So it's clear that there's evidence, there's strong evidence of cultural continuity between us and the people of this ancient civilization. And that this cultural continuity goes back to the very beginning of the civilization around 9,000 years ago, and possibly even before that. So now in the 20th century, archaeologists looked everywhere for a sign of this Aryan invasion that they always spoke about. But they found none. You see, an invasion is a 
violent business. It leaves traces and signs in the archaeological record. You will find traces of soot and fire and ash of, of destroyed cities, of destroyed towns and villages, of battles and massacres, of weapons and dead bodies. And there is no such thing. There's nothing. So, and they're still looking for it. So in light of this problem, the archaeologists and historians were forced to amend the theory to say that instead of an invasion, there was an Aryan migration. They migrated into India. And this assertion also runs into the same problem because there is no sign of any migration. Migrations also leave telltale, telltale signs in the archaeological record. And these are not there, it's, it's absent. Now, in the first decade of the 21st century, the new science of genetics began to provide new evidence. So it was discovered that, that the people of North India and South India, the people of Eastern India and Western India are all genetically alike. There is no significant genetic difference between all of us. We are all genetically alike and we are all descended from the same ancestors going back several thousand years. So this was a very surprising discovery and that put a huge spanner in the works of the Aryan invasion migration theory. And so historians further amended the theory. They now claimed that there were several multiple waves of small Aryan migrations into India and that these migrants somehow magically succeeded in imposing their foreign culture, religion and language on the natives without resorting to any kind of violence. So that's how this theory has evolved. So, he, so here's the thing. Every time this theory has been proved false, the eminent historians and academics who control the narrative of India's history have been quick to modify it. They have been quick to come up with a new version, a new iteration of the theory. There have been numerous iterations of this theory since it first began. And all of these iterations have one thing in common, the claim that Hinduism and Sanskrit are foreign to India. That is the core premise of the Aryan invasion theory, that Hinduism and Sanskrit are foreign to India. And what is the intent of this theory? The intent of this theory is to denigrate demonize and weaken Hinduism to justify the Islamic invasions of India and to justify the Christian colonization of India by claiming that since your religion is of foreign origin, therefore other foreign religions also have the right to invade and colonize your country. So that is the real purpose and, and intent of this theory. So are there, is there any scientific evidence that proves this theory wrong? Yes, there is. There's lots of scientific evidence from the fields of archaeology, linguistics, genetics, and many other disciplines. I will not go into that right now, but I would recommend that you read the works of Shrikanji and uh, Major General Dr. Bakshiji to find out more details about this. Now, from the 20th century onward, several Indian scholars were able to see through the distortions and the intent of the Aryan invasion slash migration theory. And they proposed an alternate theory, the out of India theory, which claims that Hinduism, Sanskrit, 
and the Aryans are indigenous to India and that instead of invading India, they actually ventured out of India and settled lands far to the west of India. So this is known as the out of India theory or the indigenous Aryans theory. And as we can expect, the academic elite have studiously either ignored or laughed off or brushed off this theory for decades. Then in the 1990s, Shrikant Talagiriji first came on the scene. And he is probably the first Indian researcher to do a systematic analysis of this issue from the viewpoint of linguistics and evidence from the Rig Veda. So he has written several books about this topic and he has, he has, he has been the first person who actually, uh, actually produced solid, unquestionable evidence that falsified this Aryan invasion or migration theory. And we should note that he did this long before free speech became fashionable. He has toiled away, he has worked all alone, he has been fighting for the truth all these years, all alone. And he has kept on going. So Shrikanji has falsified the Aryan invasion or migration narrative so thoroughly that the pro-invasion nexus has been forced to abandon all arguments that are based on linguistics and archaeology. Instead, now they are being forced to rely upon arguments based on the new science of genetics. So they now claim that genetic evidence should be the only criterion, the only factor that should decide whether Hinduism and Sanskrit came from outside India or not. So let me ask you something. If an Indian person converts to Christianity, will their DNA also convert to Christianity? If I learn to speak the French language, will my DNA also become French? Right, it's, it's a nonsensical, absurd argument, right? DNA does not code for language or religion. And yet, this is the new desperate approach of the pro-Aryan invasion or migration lobby. A new phenomenon has emerged in the past few years. For the past five to six years, a group of geneticists have, uh, have assumed the leadership role of the pro-Aryan invasion or migration nexus. And they are led by a Harvard geneticist named David Reich. He has authored a book which claims that genetics has revolutionized the study of ancient, ancient human history. And he has, he has enlisted an Indian business journalist named Tony Joseph to promote his work and to promote the Aryan invasion or, or migration theory. So Tony Joseph, this business journalist who has no background in genetics or science of any kind, has miraculously come up with a well-researched book which is based on David Reich's work and which claims to prove the Aryan migration theory beyond any doubt. And that's where Shrikanji's latest book comes into the picture. Shrikanji's latest book is a clinical demolition of the lies that Reich and Joseph are selling. So I read Joseph's book and I wrote a review article which obviously was quite scathing. And in response, Joseph had a meltdown on Twitter. 
So I invited him to a public debate, live streaming on the internet. I said, debate me, prove me wrong, and gather more publicity for your, for your cause. And he refused, he ran. So what this tells us is that our adversary, this entire nexus, they are not interested in the truth. They know that they are wrong. They rely on lies and falsehoods and distortions to peddle and, and to further their agenda. And they will keep on doing this even if we prove them wrong. The truth doesn't matter to them. So this is going to be a battle of attrition. We're going to have to keep on fighting. We're going to have to fight inch by inch, foot by foot, trench by trench. And that's where the works of Shrikanji and, Dr. Ge and uh, Major General Dr. Bakshiji come in because their works do not advance us by a, an inch or a foot. They advance our cause by a mile. So these are, the, these are the role models that our children need. The soldier, the scholar, and the patriot should be our role models. We should support them. We should encourage them. We should promote their work, and we should honor them. Honor them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Abhijit Ji, for a well-nuanced, well-researched foreword to this RN invasion theory so that the audience is now at least introduced to the concept of the topic. Next, we, I would like to invite to the stage Dr. Shrikant Alegari, the foremost thinker, the foremost, uh, you know, the, the person who has led this intellectual battle, uh, you know, taking, taking every, everyone, every intellectual, every Western intellectual heads on and has debunked this Aryan invasion theory. So I guess Abhijit Chavdaji's uh, speech just provided the apt foreword or the apt introduction for Srikant Allegariji to come on stage. I would like to now invite Dr. Srikant Allegari. So, and brace yourself, uh, what you're going to, uh, what, what you're about to hear is, um, in his, it's, it's a intellectualism of the highest kind. So I would like to invite Dr. Srikant Allegariji on the stage. Very much. I'm very grateful to the Indic Academy for uh, inviting me, as well as to the audience which, which has uh, gathered for the talk. The only thing is, you know, the topic is so wide that if I start talking, it will go on for weeks if I try to, even if I try to summarize the subject as a whole. So I, I think I, I have written three books and a number of articles, which anyone can just go on Google and uh, see on my blog spot. I have, uh, f uh, recently, I found more evidence on the basis of the evolution of the numbers. You know, 1 to 100 numbers, as you find them in all the languages of the world, not just uh, these, including Red Indian, African, Australian, Aboriginal languages. On the basis of that, I, have found, I was doing that just as a side, this thing. And in that, I found more evidence to show that, uh, to prove the out of India theory. So that is a very big topic. As I said, I cannot deal with that here. I've already dealt with it in my three books. I can answer specific questions, but I cannot summarize that topic uh, here at the moment. The point is that uh, there are, uh, uh, the subject is that uh, this fourth book of mine, which deals with genetics. See, the title of the book is the uh, uh, gen uh, genetic 
uh, genetics and the Aryan debate. Now, the Aryan debate, I think he has already uh, laid the entire background in front of you, so you know what it is in general. So I will not go too much into it. I will only uh, point out two things that the whole debate is only about language. It is not about DNA, it is not about blood, religion, anything. It is only about language. There are, uh, you know, uh, roughly the languages of the world have been divided into 19 language families. One of them is this Indo-European or Aryan language family, which has 12 branches. Starting from the West, there, you know, Italic, Celtic, Germanic, Baltic, Slavic, Albanian, Greek, Armenian, Iranian, Indo-Aryan, and two extinct branches, Anatolian or Hittite, and uh, Tokharian. Now, these are different branches. From this, you know, uh, actually the whole thing started as has already been told. When the Europeans came to India and they discovered the connection between the languages of North India, the languages of Iran and Central Asia, and the languages of Europe. That was the root of it. And uh, after they studied the whole thing, they uh, realized that all these languages are spread out over a large area, right from Sri Lanka. The language of Sri Lanka is also Aryan, or Indo-European, I should say. And uh, the languages of Iceland, Scandinavia, your, uh, Britain, at the extreme west. Now, all the other language families of the world are restricted to certain areas, like for example, the Dravidian language family is restricted to South India. Whereas this is, goes even beyond South India into Sri Lanka and then goes right up till the end of Europe. So they realized that it could not be that these languages were spoken over this entire area right from the beginning of the formation of this family. So then they realized that uh, there must have been one place where this language family was spoken originally. And from there, the speakers whom they called Aryans at that time, now we can say Indo-Europeans, because the word Aryan has been given a bad connotation by the Nazis. So Indo-Europeans originated in one place and then they spread out everywhere. And before they spread out their language, these people have reconstructed a language artificially, which they call Proto-Indo-European. They have done it on the basis of linguistic study of the 12 existing branches. Now, obviously, since there is no record of that language, it is not an absolute construction, but it is based on linguistic logic. So while there may be faults in it, we can accept it as a reasonable uh, model of the original ancestral language. Now, that language was spoken in one particular area. Now, what was that area? That is the whole question. And it was very important for the Europeans because it involved them themselves. They themselves spoke the Indo-European languages and the country that they were ruling, the biggest jewel in the British crown, India. That, uh, there also, the, most of the languages were belonging to the same language family. So it became a very important matter for them to find out where did they, this family originate. Did it originate in India or Europe or some other place in between? In the beginning, they decided it was India. But and they decided it was India because they, when they examined Sanskrit, they found that Sanskrit showed the very oldest form of the language. However, after more linguistic research, they realized that Sanskrit or Vedic Sanskrit, which is even older, was not really the original form because even there, changes have taken place from the original. Uh, that is, some of the other branches sometimes have some things which are even older. So then they reconstructed this Proto-Indo-European language 
and then since proto hind first when they thought sanskrit was the ancestral language they automatically thought india is the homeland because sanskrit is spoken here but once they realized that there was another ancestral language proto indo european they said that uh, it automatically and without any logic actually they decided that india could not be the homeland then they searched for some central area you know between europe and india and they arrived at the step areas of uh, south russia and decided that was the original homeland now after that they had to find some proof for it because this whole thing was purely theoretical nowhere in india's traditional history do you have any references to aryans coming from outside or anything of that kind and uh, then they found that the oldest book in india and in fact the oldest book in the entire indo european world is the rigveda because it contains uh, it, the, it contains the oldest form of language mythology everything which is common to all the 12 branches now what they noticed was that the rigveda the geography of the rigveda is restricted to an areas from afghanistan modern day pakistan and punjab haryana and western uttar pradesh all the references are to that area there is nothing beyond that nothing in madhya pradesh maharashtra gujarat up bihar or the south but when you see the next text in the line that is the ayurveda you see that uh, the reference now the center has shifted to aryavarth that is uttar pradesh being the central part of aryavarth and then when you see the final atharva uh, atharva veda the final text vedic text of the four samhitas the uh, that text knows areas as far east as bengal so from this they thought that this shows you know that the aryans came from outside they first came and settled down in the pakistan and uh, western northwestern indian area then they shifted to the rest of it so this was one of their main arguments so then they started searching for proof in the rigveda since it is the oldest text then it must have been composed by the aryans after they entered immediately after they entered india so then they started searching for it and it became a regular industry a sort of cottage industry you know find out some word for example there is a word in the rigveda anas in one hymn arishi refers to the enemies as anas means a, as a word of abuse now anas actually means an as as being the mouth and uh, you know while talking those people were it is being in the use uh, used in the sense of babblers people who speak indistinctly but these people decide it is not an as but a nas that is those who have no nose or who have flat noses and then they decided you know we europeans have long and uh, noble aristocratic noses so the aryans who came from outside had long noses and the local inhabitants whom they decided were dravidians because that was the main other language family in india so the dravidians had flat noses so this is the way they have interpreted the rigvedic text you know any word they take they give it whatever meaning they want now they, that thing continued for a long time and uh, this has become such a standard theory that we had indian scholars like uh, lokmanya tilak who decided that we came from the arctic then even if you see Sav uh, swatantriya savarkar in his book hindutva he accepts this theory and he even describes he just tries to say that the aryans didn't invade they came and you know mixed freely and very friendly in a very friendly manner they mixed with the north indians and they spread all over north india so these are the ways in which they tried to stifle the bad effects of this theory however in india what happened was that this theory has developed very bad uh, sort of political uh, ideologies have developed from it like in the south they they told them see you you are the dravidians 
you are actually the inhabitants of the whole of India and you have been driven south by these invaders. So they are your enemies. Then also among the uh, North Indians, they, they said, you know, these people came from outside and they conquered you. They told the people that those of you who belong to the so-called lower castes, y'all are descendants of the natives, whereas the upper castes are descendants of these Aryan invaders. So they tried to create a vertical as well as a horizontal division among the Indian population. It was very important for them, especially for, you know, justifying their own colonial invasion of India, as well as to, you know, convert people to Christianity. Because they told them, see, this Hinduism is not your religion. It was brought by these Aryans. They imposed that religion on you and made you their lower castes and slaves and other such things. And then in the Rig Veda, they tried to show all these references. See, this is where they are attacking the Dasas and the Sioux, who are actually your ancestors. And because of this, you know, uh, Indian politics has been defiled in a way which no other Aryan country has. That is, according to this theory, if they were in South Russia, and then they spread out everywhere. So the Britishers are also in, uh, foreigners in Britain. The Germans are foreigners in Germany. Greeks are foreigners in Greece. And in fact, there is archaeological evidence for that, where there isn't in the case of India. But none of them, no, none of these countries do you find uh, political ideologies manufacturing a sort of uh, dispute between Aryan invaders and local non-Aryans and that sort of thing. So in India, it has become a very big political issue to divide the people and to, uh, well, uh, further their uh, destructive ideologies. Now what happened was, this is a, a theory it is about language spreading from one place to different places. So how do you study anything? See, everything originated in some certain place and then it spread everywhere. So how do you decide where it originated? Anything, if you see, there are really three sciences which tell you where those things originated. One is linguistics. Second is archaeology and related sciences like, uh, you know, geology and whatnot. And the third is actual recorded textual or inscriptional evidence. These are the only three types of evidence. Chess, the game of chess originated in India. It spread over the whole of Asia. It became the national game of every country in Asia in quite ancient times. And see, you have linguistic proof of it because in Sanskrit, the original name is Chaturang. It spread as far north as Mongolia. It became their national game. They called it Shatara, derived from Chaturang. In Vietnam, in the far east, it became Chaitrang. Two words, if you see the this thing. And in Arabia, in the extreme west, it became Shatranj. Because they don't have Cha in the language, they don't have Ga. So Sha, it was replaced by Sha and Ja. So Chaturang became Shatranj. Here you have linguistic proof. You have archaeological proof because even chess pieces have been found in the Indus Valley uh, sites. Have been identified by many, many, including a piece representing a horse, which they claim was not there. And... Uh, the third thing is historically all these nations record that they received that game from India. There are records, written records to that effect. Similarly, Buddhism, it originated from India, it went all over Asia, all over Asia, even West Asia was Buddhist, if you see, before uh, Christianity came and uh, wiped them out. Even before Islam wiped it out, because what is the word, Islamic word for uh, idol? It is Buddha, which is derived from Buddha, because there were big statues of Buddha. We know how the Taliban destroyed the Bamiyan statues just recently. So you see, Buddhism had spread all over uh, Asia. Now, how do we know it went out from India? Because Buddha is an Indian word. 
it is the whole history of the Buddha and the uh, history of Buddhism is recorded in Indian texts. It is recorded in the texts of all those other countries which became Buddhist. Because they have recorded how the Buddhist missionaries, or not missionaries, that is a very bad word in my opinion. You know the Buddhist monks which uh, took that uh, those philosophies to them. It is recorded in the text. So linguistically also, you know, all the words associated with Buddhism are derived from Sanskrit. Textually, all those traditions and uh, literatures record that it went out from India. And archaeologically also, you have proof. So you see, these are the three science, sciences which will tell you the original location of anything. Now, you know, from India, uh, the, uh, people went to Southeast Asia. And uh, as a Angkor Wat, the biggest Hindu temple in the world is not in India, it is in Cambodia. Then we know that uh, Islam came from the West. So Arabs, Persians and Turks came into India. And they established many mosques in India also. So you know that this mosque came from that culture. You know that the temple of Angkor Wat came originally, that culture came from, went there from India. So you see, these are the three sciences. Now, they had a whole set of arguments to show that the Aryans came from outside India, but all of them were hollow and fake arguments. But no one had really examined it, because even those who should have been examining and opposing that theory, they had their own agendas, like for example, Lokmanya Tilak. One would have thought that he would have opposed it and tried to prove it wrong. But in fact, he accepted it and he, you know, um, he tried to show that uh, we, this is something that Dr. Ambedkar has pointed out, that this theory has received, had received in the last century, support from both the ends of the spectrum. You know, the so-called uh, upper caste, the Brahmins, who felt that they were superior. There are uh, theses, theses written on this, research papers, about how various Brahmin scholars in Maharashtra at that time, they said, we are... Uh, belong to the same race as the uh, British rulers. And uh, we, our ancestors came here and conquered these people. Lokmanya Tilak in his book, Arctic Home in the Vedas, has written the same thing. He says that our ancestors, Aryan ancestors, when he says our, he does not mean all Indians. He means uh, upper caste. Ancestors came and they showed their superiority by con con conquering and subjugating and ex or exterminating populations all over the globe. And on the other hand, you had people like uh, Jyotisba Phule, who used this from the opposite angle. He said that we, we are the real Indians. These are foreigners who have come from outside, the upper caste. So you see, the seeds had been planted in British times. And no one really opposed this because no one cared to examine their arguments. Now, what I have done in my three earlier books and in all my other blog articles and all that, I have examined all their articles and all their arguments. And far from proving the Aryan invasion theory, all the data and evidence Go, shows exactly the opposite. I'll just give one example. For example, there are many common words in Indo-Iranian languages and in the Uralo-Altaic languages, that is Finnish and Hungarian, spoken in Eastern Europe. This has always been used as an argument to show that the Indo-Iranians came from there. But the thing is, you know, there is not a single Finnish-Hungarian word in either uh, Sanskrit or Iranian languages. But those two um, languages, Finnish and Hungarian, have scores of words borrowed from ancient Sanskrit, including Arya, Dasa, and words like that, you know, which are Vedic words. Now, the very logic you should understand, for example, uh, when Muslims came to India, all the Indian languages borrowed words from them, Arabic words, Persian words, Turkish words, and we still, we use them in our own language. As I pointed out in our Matat Shirali, we have a ritual called Dutige Salam. Now, Salam has come from the Arabs. 
But if you go to Arabia, you will not find any words which have gone there because those people came and they settled down here. We borrowed words from them. They borrowed words from us. But they did not go back to Arabia and transmit those words there. Similarly, in ancient times, when Indians went out to Southeast Asia and established all these uh, Hindu kingdoms in the southeast, uh, southeastern areas like Cambodia and all, all those languages have plenty of Sanskrit words in them. But Sanskrit or any Indian language has not borrowed a single word from Burmese, Cambodian, Thai. Why? Because those people who went and settled down there, they did not come back. On the other hand, the Britishers established colonies all over the world. And all over the world, people have borrowed words from English. And if you see English, they, it has borrowed words from all over the world. And why? Because the colonialists who came here, they didn't settle down here permanently. They went back. Rudyard Kipling came here. He was here. He was, I think, born in India. He went and settled down in Europe. He wrote books in English where he used all these words. Bungalow, Sahib, uh, Curry. You know, there's a, endless, there's a dictionary called Hobson Jobson Dictionary which details all these Indian words borrowed into English. So there was this, they went back. But when they don't go back, those words will not reach that home, home uh, land. So why is it you find Sanskrit words in Finnish and Hungarian, but not Finnish and Hungarian words in Sanskrit? Because we didn't come from there. Because there would have been two-way borrowing. But certain people from India went here, uh, went from India to that area and settled down there. They borrowed words from Hungarian and Finnish. Finnish and Hungarian bo borrowed words from them. And then the Indian people there, they forgot the languages and they merged with the local populations. But not one single word, word from there came back to India. So it proves that we did not come from there. Someone from here went there. Another example is, you know, they try to, uh, they gave a linguistic argument that certain words show a connection between Aryan, Indo-European and Semitic languages of West Asia. And the two main words they give are Taurus, the word for bull, and wine, the word for uh, uh, the alcoholic drink made from grapes. Now the they give it as a proof to show that Aryans came from there, from the West, they passed those West Asian areas and spread out all over the place. However, if you actually examine this evidence, what you notice is that there are 12 branches of Indo-European languages. Three of them are found to the east of the Semitic areas. That is Indo-Aryan, Iranian and Tokharian, which was spoken in Central Asia. These three languages don't have either word, either the word for Taurus or the word for wine. On the other hand, all the other nine branches which are to the west, they have that word. So what does it mean? It means that we did not come from there passing the Semitic areas and borrowed that word. But the branches which are to the west went from India to the west and they borrowed those words from them. So you see, when you examine all their uh, arguments, now the textual arguments, you know in the Rigveda, as I said, the area is restricted from Afghanistan to western Uttar Pradesh. And then they say, see, in the Rigveda, you find one or two references to the Ganga, one or two to the Yamuna, a few to the, the Saraswati. And then you find all the rivers of the Punjab. Then you find the Indus, which is in the west. And then, you know, every small tributary which uh, uh, enters the Indus from Afghanistan, it is found in the Rigveda. Kubha, Krumu, Gomti. Gomti is not our Gomti. It is the Gomal River of Afghanistan, which flows into the Indus. So that is the proof. See, there are 20, 30 rivers of Afghanistan named in the Rigveda. There is only two, three rivers 
Ganga Yamuna is the eastern most. They are the eastern most. And they are named once or twice. But when you really examine the issue, what you notice is that the Rigveda consists of 10 books. There is, and they are linguistically very clearly in a line. You know, first is book 6, then book 3, then 7, then 4 and 2. They are the five old books, which I which, uh, have uh, referred to them as the old Rigveda. And the books 1, 5, 8, 9 and 10 are new. Now you find that all the references to the western rivers, Indus, all those Afghan rivers, the western animals, the western place names, the western mountain names, the western uh, lake name, all of them are found only in the new Rigveda. They are not found in the old Rigveda. And in the old Rigveda, you find that it is completely confined to the eastern parts of this entire Rigvedic area. It is not... Uh, it, it is in Haryana and western Uttar Pradesh. And this movement from east to west is actually recorded. If you take the books and put them in a line, I have shown it in my book, that graph. So which rivers are there in each book? You see the movement from east to west. And this movement is not just because the names are there. There are actually historical descriptions of why those names came. You know, Sudas was a king of Haryana. He conducted an Ashwamedha and then he started conquering westwards. First he crossed the first two rivers of the Punjab. Then he crossed the third river of the Punjab and fought with the people who were living on the banks of the fourth river. So that is how those rivers appear in the Rigveda because of his expansion westwards. So you see, when you examine all the arguments, it actually proves the opposite. The, what I want to say is that if this, these are the three fields, only three fields in which you can prove the origin of anything, linguistics, archaeology and related sciences and recorded. Now all these, now in the last few years, last two decades I should say, we have got complete, absolute, unchallengeable evidence from all these three fields to show that uh, India is the original homeland of these 12 branches. For example, the Dasharadnya battle described in the Rigveda, it names 10 tribes. And the names of those 10 tribes, believe it or not, are the names of four of the other branches. Indo-Iranian, I'm, I'm sorry, Iranian, Armenian, Albanian and Greek. And according to linguists, wherever the homeland is situated, even if it is situated in Russia, they say that first this branch left the homeland, then this branch left the homeland. And finally, which were the five branches remaining according to the linguistic theory? They are Indo-Aryan, Iranian, Armenian, Albanian and Greek. And in this battle, you find those same five branches are actually named in the Rigveda in that battle. After that battle, Sudas defeats those other four tribes. They move westwards and the Rigveda tell, describes them moving westwards and settling in further western lands. So you see the whole thing is recorded. Now what has happened is that they have been completely defeated on these fronts. They cannot challenge this evidence. So what they have done is now suddenly they have abandoned those three fields and now they have started talking about genetics. And uh, people see uh, uh, genetics is some super science. It is absolute. This linguistics is not an absolute science, but genetics is an absolute science. So they, if they have proved it, what can we say? And can, if you can you just catch someone on the street and ask him, uh, what do you think about this genetic argument? He'll just stare at you blankly because no one knows it's a very highly specialized subject. So what has happened is that uh, it has become their main field now of trying to prove the Aryan invasion theory. And their spokesperson, as he has pointed out, is Tony Joseph. And he was writing in the last few years articles in the Hindu. 
which as we know is controlled by Enram, who is a, a strong supporter of this theory. Now, uh, recently he wrote this book last year. And see, when he was writing small articles, there's no sense in uh, us quibbling with him. But now that he has come out in the open, written a full-fledged book, and if you see on Google, you'll see that this book has got more than one crore references in the on the internet. So they are, uh, you know, propagating it on a war footing all over the world. Everywhere you find people saying, "Oh, how wonderful he has written!" and uh, so, you know, people get mesmerized by this kind of thing. Yes, he has looked at it from a scientific point of view. So I decided that now we have to deal with this book because this now represents their new and only weapon. So in this book, what I have done is analyzed every single argument and piece of evidence that is given in his book and I have shown how absurd and ridiculous and wrong it is. And many, how so many things are false also in that. How he contradicts himself in one place he says that the Aryans coming to India in 2000 BC, he says they were to the west of the Urals. That is in Russia itself in 2000 BC. And after that they started moving eastwards. And if you look at the map he has shown, there's a long route leading to Mongolia. Then from there slowly they come down into India. Before that they, in 2000 BC they were there. In another place, he says that in 2000 BC they were just to the north of Afghanistan and then they started coming down. So whatever is convenient to him, like we know during the Babri Masjid uh, debates, you know, Conrad Elst presented a very concise uh, case which was presented by the Vishwa Hindu Parishad afterwards to the government. And what did the opposition, uh, the leftist uh, gang produce? They just produced a heap of articles, all of which contradicted each other. But anything anyone has written saying that uh, Ram did not, uh, it is not the uh, Janmasan, they produced it as evidence. So one person says, uh, Ram never existed, he's a mythical. That was one evidence that they presented. Another said Ram existed, but he was a king of Afghanistan. Another paper which they, the same people are presenting all these papers and saying, see, all these things prove it. When one, another one says, this is not Ayodhya, there are three, four Ayodhyas and, uh, in Uttar Pradesh, but this is not the spot. And there are many other contradictions of that kind and that is what is happening in the Aryan debate today. So in this I have completely, so now uh, uh, in, in short what I can tell you is that genetics has nothing to do with the language debate. There are people also then you know trying to show that uh, no genetics proves the out of India theory. It does not. It cannot prove the Aryan invasion theory. It cannot prove the out of India theory. It cannot disprove the Aryan invasion theory, it cannot disprove the out of India theory because it has no connection with the question of language. And I have pointed it out in detail in the book. If anyone can, uh, in very short, for example, uh, Tony Joseph claims that there is one haplogroup of DNA called R1A1, which is the genetic signature of the Aryans. And then he says it is found in among all the Aryan language speaking people. But what he does not tell us is, that uh, if uh, it is, uh, I have some figures here, for example, in, in your ancestry, maybe you have 25% ancestry of uh, coming from Mongolia, 25 coming from Arabia, 40 coming from Australia, something like that. That is the kind of games they play now, genetical games. Now, according to them, the Kota tribe of, the, uh, of uh, Tamil Nadu, it is one of the most pristine Dravidian tribes. They speak of Dravidian languages which is not influenced by any Aryan words. Their culture is also very pristine Dravidian. They have 
of their ancestry is R1A1. Then you have the Chenchu slightly to the north. They have 26%. The Manipuri people of the East, who speak Meitei, which is Sino-Tibetan language, they have 50% R1A1. Then, uh, whereas the Punjabis, where you know the Rigveda, they plays it, they have 47%, less than the Manipuri people. Then, uh, if you go to uh, west of Iran, in Kuwait, the Shammar tribe have 43% R1A1. If you go to Israel, there are two priestly classes there. Uh, one I forgot the name. The second is the Ashkenazi Levites. They have 52% R1A1. You know the Hitler had said that they are the uh, lower this thing and we the Aryans are superior. So if R1A1 represents Aryans, then those Ashkenazi Levites are Aryans. Because if you examine Germany, you know the uh, range of uh, percentage in different parts of Germany is from 8% and the very highest is 31% in one some part. Otherwise, all, if all over Germany, you find the range of R, uh, the percentage of R1A1 in their DNA is 5, 10%, 15%, 20%, less than the uh, Kota, Chenchu, Manipuri, Shammar, and the Ashkenazi Levites. So how can you connect it with uh, language? And it's not that, as he uh, just now said, you know, we, tomorrow we change our language, so we don't change our genes. But here there is no question, the Manipuri people have not changed the language, the Chen, Kota Chenchu people have not changed the language, the Shammar tribes, are, and uh, I don't know about them, some people say Ashkenazi Levites came from Europe and all that, Le I, that I don't know. But certainly in India, none of these people who speak non-Aryan languages or non-Indo-European languages, they have always been speaking their, these languages, they didn't change the language, and yet they have this high R R1A1. So you see, there is nothing nothing, no connection at all between genetics and uh, language. Well, that is in short. I have given that in very much detail in the book. I don't know what else I can tell you at the moment. So, well, I will leave it to anyone who reads that book and has any questions to ask. Thank you, Srikanji. As at so as it was promised, uh, you know, very scholarly, very well researched, very authoritative study on the RN invasion theory by our very own Dr. Srikant Tadegari. Thank you very much for doing all this research. Thank you very much for enlightening us. As I told you, he is going to wow us and he has really wowed us. So rest of the things, I think so you should go and read in the book, The Early, Early Indians. We have a copy here. You can definitely have it. Next is, uh, we have uh, our very own Major General G.D. Bakshiji here. And I am sure every one of you is eager to hear him. As he likes to call himself a a military soldier and thinker so and we know that he is playing his role very well so without wasting any time i would like to call major general gd bakshiji on the stage to speak to us thank you thank you dr 
thank you so much first of all indic book club for having me here and organizing this very wonderful combined book launch we are all allies on the same side of the fence uh, i would like to start by making an emphatic statement no other country in the world has had its sense of self so brutally destroyed as india's right we have been under invasions for the past 800 years every single bloody invader who came from anywhere to loot to rape to burn he had a field day you know they they carried off all you know sone ki chidiya where is that sona you go to uzbekistan you go to kazakhstan you go to turkmenistan you'll find that you know on their palaces and what have you right and but the most dangerous period of colonization and conquest was not 600 years of the rule of the moguls the turks the afghans and the others they were brutal they were brutal you know we talk of the jewish holocaust does anybody talk of the hindu holocaust a hundred million hindus were killed from the 13th century onwards a hundred million indians have been killed you forget the jewish holocaust you know i mean that pales out but we have been taught there is no such thing wipe it out of your bloody memory don't even talk about it don't even dream about it you know that's it it indian history as per some leftist historians begins with the moguls nothing happened before that wipe it out erase press the erase button you see but the 200 years of british colonization they colonized not just our physical selves they colonized our minds and that psychological slavery that they have inflicted all of you including me my kids are in convent schools or english speaking schools and i have to make a bloody special effort to see that you will bloody well speak my grandchildren will damn well speak in hindi to me it's all even your thinking is in english that is what has been done to you do is the french history the russian history the chinese history written in harvard or oxford you need to rescue your history because the history was written by a set of colonial historiographers your max mullers and your you know mortimer wheelers who wanted to write history with an agenda right and that agenda was dekho sahab they had to justify the foreignness of their rule to a native population in 1857 there was a fierce revolt you see and they were shaken by that revolt had all those 80000 indian troops mutinied together it was the indian army that fought the first war of freedom get that right okay we fought the first war of freedom the british indian army raised by the east india company fought the first war of freedom and that shook the brits because how did all people of india starting from manipur down south to rajamma you know all the queens who rose against the british all those you know tantia uh, topes you know they rose against the british how did the disparate people of india ever get together to stage such a massive revolt so they decided we will see 
that India never gets together again. You see? That we will destroy the idea of India. And for what? You know what they did? They said, identify every fault line in Indian society. Create fault lines where there are none. But make sure these people are split and they will never, never, never rise to fight again. Alright? Kill their fighting spirit. Keep it only for those people who serve the British. They are martial races. The rest of them, with a non-martial name. So they did this and one of the first fault lines they identified was caste. Alright? And Sir John Risley, he wrote, as long as there is caste, there will be no India. Okay? And therefore they started this process of division. The next fault line, of course, they identified was the Aryan Dravidian fault line by a, by a bishop, by one of the bishops of the British. He is the father of this divide. Whereas the same genetics which they are now growing, there is the same R1A1 gene you can find south of the Vindyas, deep down south, and as the learned professor just said, in the, in the tribe that is considered the most proto-Dravidian tribe also has R1A1 gene. So don't give us this crap. Alright? The aim was to divide. The aim was to tell you, Are, hum bahar se aaye, tum bhi to bahar se aaye, hum chor, tum chor, chor chor, musere bhai. You got that? The entire logic of the British historian, they wrote history with a agenda. They wrote what we in information warfare terms today call spin doctor. Give it a spin. The tum chor, hum chor. So how are you shouting against us? How are you asking for freedom? Tum bhi to bahar se aaya. Tum bhi to chor hai. Tumne bhi to looted. Tumne Dravidians ko nikala. So they came up with the Aryan invasion theory. And as Chavda brought it out so beautifully, you know, Indra is Purandara, the destroyer of a hundred forts. Fort cities. So he came with his Aryans. They crossed the Himalayas. They crossed the Himalayas with the chariots. I spent a lifetime serving there. I can't go up in my jonga. I have to foot it. Okay? So they came in rickety chariots. They came across the Himalayan passes, the Bolan, you know, the Hindu Kush. They came riding in their bloody chariots. How the chariots survived, I don't know. Don't, don't give us bullshit here. We are not that credulous. They came across. They had the horses. The poor Dravidians did not have horses. They did not have chariots. Have you seen the toy chariots found? You go, just go to the National Museum in Delhi. You will see the toy chariots of the, of the Indus Valley civilization so-called. Right? The whole aim to distort, to disinvent our history, to disinvent the idea of India. There is no country like India. Winston Churchill, you know what he said? Is the equator a country? How can India be a country? There are Madrasis, Punjabis, Gujaratis, but there is no bloody India. There is. Because every time, you know, have you heard that Sankalpa Stotra? Every time you sit for puja, every time you sit for a havan, Jambu Dweepe, Bharat Khande, Aryavarte, this is, goes 8-10,000 years back, sir. 8-10,000 years back. We have existed. But you read your history book, you talk to an IS officer today, 
कंट्री बिफोर फोर्टी सेवन ये तो अंग्रेज बना के हमको गिफ्ट दे दिया टू हेल्प विद यू लुक अराउंड यू गो टू राखी गढ़ी गो टू ऑल दो साइट्स विच आर देर वी हैव बीन अराउंड सर by carbon dating and iit kharagpur team went the carbon dating of birhana the upper level sir is 8000 years carbon dating and by luminescence dating the lower level sir 9500 years that sir is empirical evidence scientific empirical evidence but nahi tum to kalu ho tum to browns ho How can you change what Max Muller said? वो गोरा था. Sir, he was talking through his hat. Let me explain to you. Purandara came with his chariots. He sorted out the poor Dravidians. You know, slaughtered the snub-nosed Indians. Slaughtered them. Firstly, there are not a hundred fort cities in the Indus Valley civilization. Let me give it to you straight. A city in the olden times was hundred. hectares and more all right mohenjo daro is 300 hectares and rakhi giri is slightly bigger okay there were just 10 of these actually panch hai to to 100 cities thi nahi to 100 cities kahan se destroy kiya you see let's go by now evidence on the ground 1500 the indo aryans came across with their rickety chariots with their horses and uh, etc they destroyed the indus valley civilization so like chavda said show us the corpses sir hame lash dikhaiye ab bolta hai ki aapne maar dala bichara narsahar kiya genocide kiya where are the corpses at one side we found 36 at different levels you know what different level means they're not the same period and more that we said acha ji 36 mil gaya aur ek side pe 11 mila 11 right so where are the sword marks where is the sword cut kidhar hai teer kahan ghusa kahan laga wo pani se doob ke mara wo pani se doob ke mar gaya sahab ha to wo 11 dusra us pe bhi talwar ka nishan nahi dikha saka to sahab what about this famous invasion which has happened without corpses without lash or phir bhi genocide very deftly changed to iat Uh, the aryan uh, the, sorry the aryan ait was changed to iamt indian indo aryan migration theory from invasion quick switch migration and every indian believes it and if you don't want to believe it we have the leftist historians ab wo ya humko bol rahe hain abe tum kalu tum kahan se change karega angrez ka likha itihas abe tu dafa ho अपना पासपोर्ट छोड़ यहां पे और जा वहां जाके झाड़ू लगा तुम ऑक्सफोर्ड में जा जाना यू नो दिस इज व्हाट बॉयल्स द ब्लड ऑफ अ सोल्जर द असोल्ट अपॉन आर सेंस ऑफ सेल्फ द असोल्ट अपॉन आर हिस्ट्री यू राइट माय हिस्ट्री सर यू कंट्रोल माय थॉट्स माय इमोशंस माय फीलिंग्स लड़ा के मरा रहे हमारे इंडो आर्यंस कास्ट upper caste lower caste and if you go to western think tanks please read that book by rajiv malotra breaking india you go to western think tanks in united states in europe you will find maps of india top is in all green from kashmir to bangladesh aur kya naam hai mughalistan chatisgarh area is in pink dalitistan 
and the south of the vindhya it is again in another shade of orange which is your your dravidistan this is how they want to break india because it's a rising power and they want to cut you to size before you become too big they take the clash of civilizations of samuel huntington very seriously they take it very very seriously and that is why the indic civilization is a rising civilization the cynic the chinese civilization is a rising civilization the slav civilization they are all trying to see that these are cut to ribbons aapas mein ladake mara do nahi to pakistan ko support karo but cut this civilization down to size before it rises sir you will not be able to stop us right so we had this aryan invasion theory which went out of the window aryan indo aryan migration theory beautiful and now we are told sir the holy grail of all these indic studies is genetics kyunki the best genetic laboratories are in harvard with shri david raik you see who is doing all the genetic studies and he and his followers are trying to tell you ek test hai of all the other sciences you can pack up and put in the you know dustbin there's one only sole science jise bole kingly science royal science hum kehte hain na having known which all else is known genetics don't give us this bullshit right we held a multidisciplinary seminar in new delhi three of our top geneticists scientists in india were there we had isro satellite imagery experts you know all these leftist tellers there was no river like the saraswati sahab ek hexararavati was there in afghanistan you know are sir wo hamare vedon mein likha hai that 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 river comes from the mountains goes to the seas hexaravati kahin lake se nikal ke wahi khatam ho jati is not the saraswati right but they have tried to tell you to contest the historicity of the saraswati the whole argument hinges around was there a saraswati river yes no the moment you admit there was a saraswati the in the civilization becomes the rigvedic civilization because the geographical area is exactly the same the sacred geography of the rigveda the sapta sindhava is exactly the area of the so called harappan civilization which should rightly be called the indus valley civilization because because archaeologists tell you and they have plotted it on satellite maps each site that has been found lat longs given it has been placed by isro on a satellite map of india and 60 to 80% of the uh, the sites 60% of the sites 80% of the urban sites are not repeat not along the indus they are along the saraswati course okay हमारे बोलते हैं प्रत्यक्ष प्रमाण दिस मेमोरी ऑफ द सरस्वती रिवर हिज बीन प्रिजर्व इन आर रेशियल मेमोरी फॉर फोर थाउजेंड ईयर्स आफ्टर इट इज गॉन कोई हमारा मरता है अस्थि विसर्जन कहां होता है हरिद्वार में मैं अपने पिताश्री का जब पिंड दान देने गया वे डिड आई गो आई वेंट टू कुरुक्षेत्र रिवर इन कुरुक्षेत्र not now but there was the saraswati flew through kurukshetra through pehova 
okay and it you know this is was a actual river preserved in your racial memory today sir the satellites the landsat satellite of the united states was launched in 1970 right it photographed for the first time the entire desiccated course of a river that was 4600 kilometers long 6 to 8 kilometers wide average width and at patiala it was 20 kilometers wide because the yamuna and the satluj used to join it here do you understand what i'm saying this has been photographed aur kya pratyaksh evidence chahiye which is the best evidence photographic evidence have caught you stabbing somebody in the back we have those isro then we launched our own satellites isro there are so many of these satellites which have gone up they mapped the whole indus river course sorry the saraswati river course has been mapped from the himalayas to the sea it was a river bigger than the brahmaputra the so called indus valley seals have the rhinosaurus in rajasthan have you seen the rhinosaurus on the seals we all apna history book mein to dekha hai na ganda dekha hai wahan pe ganda kahan hota hai brahmaputra valley mein hota hai rajasthan mein ganda hai aaj that that was such a mighty river they have lost the battle with that what we are talking of sir you need a multidisciplinary approach to solve this problem no one science no one discipline can solve it and we will you read the book we'll give you the entire holes in the genetic theory it leaks like a bloody sieve you know intellectual dishonesty ki bhi koi had hoti hai and wo bana ke david reich saab bana ke this book was i saw this book and that is why we decided to counter attack this book has mine has been done in 3 months but i have been working on it for the last almost 15 years we said oh this is what you want to do you know from harvard wisdom will come abe hindustani neech logo ye max muller jo keh gaye ramachandra keh gaye piyase ki bas ab to saab ye max muller keh gaye kakka ji kahin max muller kahin you can't change a bloody word i'm deliberately trying to rub it in because we as indians lack that self confidence that assurance that if an indian is saying it he is saying it he is saying it any yaar har cheez deshi the word deshi is inferior everything british wah kya baat hai and now the empire has shifted to the other side of the atlantic to harvard and david reich comes from harvard huh uh, sheldon polak comes from harvard huh wendy doniger comes from harvard they are going to teach you your history sir aur aap ashwet log aap suno gyan wahan se aata hai hum sab to gadhe hain i don't agree i bloody well don't agree let me pick some holes further in max muller's famous thesis 1500 the aryans came 1200 they they wrote the rigveda here all right bhai kis basis pe बाइबल तो 6000 में शुरू हुआ ना तो ये इतना पहले कैसे हो सकता है तो ये डेट है अच्छा नाउ वी हैव जियोलॉजिस्ट हु टेल अस दैट बाय 1900 टू 2000 बीसी द सरस्वती हैड वैनिश्ड विदाउट अ ट्रेस राइट इन द नॉर्दर्न पोर्शंस इट हैड बीन रिड्यूस्ड टू अ स्ट्रिंग ऑफ लेक्स एंड पूल्स राइट 
And in Jaisalmer, near Jaisalmer, there's a place called Vinashana, which incidentally is mentioned in the Mahabharata, right? Where it had gone underground. I have been to Jaisalmer and our people are putting drilling wells along the you know, satellite track indicated. Millions of liters of sweet water coming out of that desert. All right? The Saraswati is actually underground at three different levels. Your geologists are working on it. So geologists tell you that by, by 2000 BC, BCE as it is now called, the Saraswati had vanished without a trace. So when the Aryans came, they wrote their Rig Veda as per Max Muller in 1200 BC. So Saraswati is in the Rig Veda. 68 in the uh, Yajur Veda. Then they come down to 2 in the Sam Veda. Because the Saraswati is also going down. So sir, what is the age of the Rig Veda? How did the Aryans mention the Rig Veda? As, shall I give you the exact words that the Rig Veda uses? Anuttama, Devittama, Nadittama, the greatest of all the rivers, the greatest of all the mothers, the greatest of all the devis, Saraswati, raging torrent, mother of floods. You know, she uproots the mountains like an elephant roots out a lotus. These are the exact shlokas of the Rig Veda. They were not talking of a Marawa stream, a Nala or a Nali. They were talking, sir, about a river which the satellites today tell you was 4,600 kilometers long, 6 to 8 kilometers wide, average width. And Bakshi Saab is not making up this story. The satellites have given you photographic evidence. So we bought the photographic evidence there. The whole aging, the whole chronology goes for a six. You know? So, what is the answer? Oh, man, the story is a myth. It's a myth. It's a myth. Geology is a myth. Archaeology is a myth. Carbon dating is a myth. Satellite photographs are a myth. Don't give me crap. I've also earned my PhD after retirement. I've done my PhD after I know research methodology. Don't teach me that crap. All right? You have been taking us for a ride because aapka apna... Why are they getting so worried? It's a question of identity. Aapka apna vajud khatre mein. Because it now turns out, sir, aap to idhar ke ho, Saraswati ke. Tell me one thing. If there's a major river like the Ganga and tomorrow it dries out, will people from Tibet come and settle down here? Ah, dry out ho gai sahab. Bada achha lag raha hai. Pani, pani tumhara baap pilaega? What will happen if a river dries out? Sir, will there be an in-migration or an out-migration? Teach me this basic logic. Na yaar. Aap keh rahe ho, pandra so mein aai. Usse paanch so saal pehle, the Saraswati has dried out. The lower portion has desertified. Okay, Rajasthan was lush and green once. Rajasthan mein rhinosaurus bones aapko mil jayega. Will the people go outwards? Or will they come into a place of water stress and ecological disaster? It's an ecological disaster ho gaya sahab. 
आई यू गॉट योर बेसिक लॉजिक राइट अच्छा अब नाउ दिस फेमस जेनेटिक थ्योरी सत्रह परसेंट इंडो आर्यन आए पहले तो बोला आर्यन इन्वेजन थ्योरी सो आई अंडरस्टैंड द गाई हु विन्स द बैटल ही गेट्स द गर्ल्स नो आई एम जस्ट टॉकिंग बेसिकली दे कैरी अवे द स्लेव ये करके ले गए वो वो करके ले सब बैटल ही नहीं हुई देर वॉज नो बैटल देर वॉज नो बैटल सो हाउ इज इट दैट टूडे सेवेंटी सिक्स परसेंट इंडियन स्पीक इंडो आर्यन लैंग्वेजेज यू आर कमिंग इन स्मॉल स्मॉल ड्रिबलेट्स यू नो एंड नाउ दे आर सेंग लुक एट दिस वेन वी स्टडी दी दी मैट्री लीनियल डी एन ए देर इज नो ट्रेस ऑफ एक्सटर्नल डी एन ए फ्रॉम एनी वेयर फॉर द लास्ट फिफ्टीन थाउजेंड ईयर्स ओके मैट्रीलिनियल डीएनए बट जब ये मैट्रीलिनियल डीएनए का पता चला फट से हार्वर्ड दौड़े बोले पैट्रीलिनियल डीएनए बाहर से आता है मेल ओनली ग्रुप्स के क्यों अपनी माँ बहनों बीबियों को क्यों छोड़ के आए नहीं जी साहब वो तो कॉन्क्वेस्ट के लिए आए कॉन्क्वेस्ट कहां हुई लाश किधर है कोई लाश नहीं हाउ इज इट इसी इन द कॉम्पिटिशन फॉर मेटिंग हाउ इज इट एट ऑल द लोकल इंडियन मेल्स वर लेफ्ट आउट एंड दी मेटिंग कॉन्ट्रैक्ट वॉज गिवन टू The Indo-Aryans who came from outside. <laughs> Please, yeah, don't make it a you know it's a joke. Give me another one. Give me another one. Acha, a profound change in the genetics of India. Why? Because the Aryans came from outside. They came in driblets, but all the girls went to them. <laughs> This is what it means. Matrilineal DNA me nahi hai. Patrilineal DNA may have, so therefore all the girls, you know, nobody they refused to marry any local. They said only the Indo-Aryans, these Goras who have come from the blondes who have come from outside. We've got no blonde hair. Our blonde hair is not. Jan Boos ke blonde karna padta hai. So as I was telling you, you know, we have we have ample evidence. You see, the problem is now they are trying to cook up evidence, right? in west asia in central asia the climate is dry cold you can preserve corpses body you can get dna india may the we out of africa theory says that we came 60000 years ago the first dna that you can get is the bhimbetka cave is 28000 to beech mein kahan gaya dna there is no dna right but i can find dna in central asia i can find dna in uh, in middle east therefore sab ye dekho ye ye hai this is like i lost my car key on the road i am now searching for it but i will search only in the area where there is a lamp baki area mein main search hi nahi karunga sab ha ye dna mil gaya to it is in the tropical climate of india sir the dna is very difficult to survive because you have absence of evidence you can cook up anything you want i found it in iran iran ha uh, baluchis aur kya bola humko aap itne gadhe the ki aapko to agriculture karna bhi nahi aaya the agricultural revolution was brought to you from mesopotamia intellectual property rights of the iraqis they came in 7000 bc and agriculture related migration they taught you agriculture they taught you कि भाई वीट का सीड रखो ये करो डोमेस्टिकेट प्लांट्स डोमेस्टिकेट डोंट गिव अस बुलशिट अ फ्रेंच आर्कियोलॉजिस्ट हैज वर्क्ड ऑन मेहरागढ़ ये शोन यू ऑल स्टेजेस ऑफ डेवलपमेंट फ्रॉम द वेरी बिगनिंग टिल द राइट एंड लेडीज एंड जेंटलमैन प्लीज गो थ्रू बोथ आर बुक्स एंड स्प्रेड इट 
we are going to fight back on every media possible social media electronic media i'm very disappointed to see just one camera but the military is very tenacious if you think we are going to give up you are a damn sight mistake you are a damn sight mistake we'll take it to 12 cities in this country the same book and the same uh, same arguments we are going we are waging a war on social media we did a two day seminar multidisciplinary seminar in new delhi on 1st and 2nd august delhi university right we called all the top experts isro satellite imagery archaeologists uh, geologists population genetic experts scriptural experts and the and the experts of the 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 linguistics brought under one roof we invited romila thapad a uh, please aiye her majesty is too gora to come here to come and take part in a debate open debate camera lagayenge samne duniya ko dikhayenge aap aa to jao phd humne bhi liya hai theek hai madam aur inka phd jo hai wo honorary hai inko sanskrit language nahi aati but jo jo brihadaranak jo jo hamara jo jo hamara brahmand mein hai shatpat brahmand mein jo shlok hai ki amavasu moved west उनको ये ट्रांसलेट करती हैं अम्मा वसु मूव्ड ईस्ट अम्मा संस्कृत आती है संस्कृत पढ़ी है नहीं पढ़ी आप ट्रांसलेट कर रहे हो आप जानती हैं इनके जो ग्रेट ग्रेट ग्रैंडफादर थे उन्होंने जनरल डायर को यू नो हो जनरल डायर वॉज जलिया वाला बाग का मैं उसको सरोपा दिया था कि क्या शानदार काम किया दिस इज दिस्टरीजी we are not going to take it any longer we know how to fight and we will fight we will take it on a war footing but we will see that the narrative changes we have tried to attack this false indian history from two sides first we took on the freedom struggle five years of struggle it took us and we were able to convince most of the intelligent thinking indians ki this de di hame azadi बिना खड़क बिना ढाल डोंट इंसल्टस डोंट इंसल्ट डोंट इंसल्ट बिकॉज वी हैड अस्टी थाउजेंड स्ट्रॉन्ग इंडियन नेशनल आर्मी आउट ऑफ विच ट्वेंटी सिक्स थाउजेंड डाइड फाइटिंग यू हैव द गॉल यू हैव द ब्लडी चीक टू कॉल टू 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 सॉर्ट ऑफ यू नो डिसरिस्पेक्ट दो मार्टियर्स एक पत्थर नहीं है साहब इस देश में जिसपे वो छब्बीस हजार आजाद हिंद फौज के सिपाहियों का नाम है एक पत्थर नहीं है क्योंकि अंग्रेजों ने माउंट बेटन ने उनको वापस भारत में आए फौज में नहीं लिया पेंशन काट दी भूखों मरने के लिए वी हैव चेंज दैट सर हमने नियर एंड का चेंज कर दिया है हम वी वर एबल टू गेट द वेटरन ऑफ द इंडियन आर्मी the indian national army association the azad you know the netaji subhash chandra bose trust we have fought a battle we bought this year republic day for ina azad hind ke soldiers were brought on republic day parade they were brought on republic day parade right 
they were brought on Republic Day Parade and on 21st of October last year, the Prime Minister of India himself, Shri Narendra Modi, came to the Red Fort for a second time to unfurl the flag along with an INA military veteran to celebrate the 75th anniversary of the declaration of the, uh, of the uh, freedom, of the declaration of freedom by the Azad Hind, you know, Sarkar and its recognition by 12 countries. All right? We've done that. Now we are switching our attack to ancient history. There was no people like the Bharatiya. We will prove you wrong. We will use every empirical bit of data, every, 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 you know, bit of scientific evidence. We'll take you on on your own ground. You want to talk scriptures? We have experts. You want to talk genetics? We have experts. We have, you know, people from the, the space fraternity who will tell you the, show you the satellite photographs. But we will not take untruth lying down. We will not take bullying from Harvard with, with local foot soldiers of the empire, leftovers of the empire like Tony Joseph, you know, who are trying to teach us, show us our place. You are not our originators. We are your originators. The whole problem is identity. Because the truth is, if you want to know, there is a tribe that was in the, mentioned in the Brahmans again, you know, called the Danu was the mother of the Danavas. Right? The Danavas fought with the Devas. They lost. Their tribe was banished. So they moved west, west, west and they reached Europe. Their rivers are, you know, the Iranian word for uh, river is Danu. And do you know what are the rivers of Europe called? Don, Dnaipur, Dnaistar, Danube, rings a bell? Hamara export hai sab. Hamara export hai. Ham import nahi hai. Thank you very much. Jai Hind! Jai Hind, thank you very much, General G.D. Bakshi ji. One thing is for sure, Max Muller is going to get a big hiccup in his grave. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so do the leftist historians. I think so, they will be drinking a lot of water today. General Bakshi has remembered them in you know, the choicest of words. So, I hope this was an another enlightening session and much needed with a dash of energy and enthusiasm which I feel is lacking in today's uh, Indian society and as uh, in 1935 it is purportedly said that Max, uh, Lord Macaulay when he was uh, you know designing or speaking about the Indian education system is that we will create such an education system which will make these Indians feel ashamed of their own history. I want to create brown Englishman. I think so. This is what he said. I don't know about the authenticity of it. But what he said was, give, listen very carefully. He said that we will create an education system where we will create brown Englishmen. They, you know, we, we, we are like brown Englishmen. You know, speaking their words, their theories, their language, but we are brown in color. So I think so the time has come that we have to change, uh, as General J.D. Bakshi said, 
and without wasting any time i think so we would go to the main part of the event today we'll we'll now go for the book launch by our chief guests all of them so i would request uh, chief guest uh, vivek agnihotri and all of us to to launch this book which will be followed by his speech which you are all awaiting for thank you So now uh, I would like to call uh, Vivek Agnihotri ji to the stage. Please be seated. Uh, we are now our chief guest would be now addressing us. Vivek Agnihotri ji. General Saab, दूसरों के लिए भी मौका छोड़ा करिए. इतनी energy तो मैं अब आपकी उम्र में ही पहुँच के test करूँगा. Thank you everybody and. It's a matter of delight and special honor for me, and for me it means a lot because the author side of mine uh, was launched courtesy Indic Academy. It was called Indic Book Club then, and thank you, uh, Yogini, for hosting wonderful authors. Abhijit, uh, eye opener. I think we should have a cup of coffee soon, and I need to learn a lot from you. Shrikanji, such a oh my God, you are a scholar and. i whatever i can do i must take your word uh, cross and i feel very bad and it's very um, i feel guilty of uh, not knowing about you before this it's really shame uh, that i didn't know and general saab aap to rockstar hain aapki baat hi alag hai do you know you have lot of female following <laughs> i think she knows by now very well i don't have to say anything you have heard there are books you can read about it but i want to talk about indic academy for a couple of minutes in my entire life i never everybody used to say we have to create an ecosystem of people who believe in uh hindu civilization now just to be politically correct we call it an indic civilization uh but in last 5 years you must have seen everybody complaining that where is the ecosystem where is the ecosystem lots of people in fact didn't want to vote for mr modi saying that he has not uh, developed an ecosystem for us i think it's a myth it's mythology it's wrong in last 5 years they must have conducted more than hundreds and hundreds of book launches indic academy has also sent free books to people sets of books in fact in my library there are so many books which have come from indic academy 
on behalf of indic academy i have spoken at if i have to count almost 100 events you know all across india usa at oxford at purdue all over the world indic academy's contribution in creating this intellectual ecosystem which basically strengthens this narrative and takes us forward in the direction of indic renaissance i think we must applaud it it's no small contribution and why i support indic academy at any given point of time whatever when hari asked me i'm i never thought i will ever be an author after my film and struggle hari said vivek why don't you put your uh, all your experiences in one book i said but why why anybody is going to be interested in my experiences he said vivek we have always made a mistake you'll find stories of struggle of all the leftist intellectuals you'll find all the communist intellectuals islamic intellectuals but we have never seen we have never ever read anything on these struggles if you want to promote a film which is contrary to their view and that's why it's important we record things and i was in goa for 15 20 days and i wrote three four chapters very easily it took me no time i'm a storyteller professional script writer and i said okay this is so easy i'll do the book and i left goa thinking that i'll go back to bombay next 10 15 days i'll put everything down and while i was writing it i said no something is not honest in this i am not a professional author if i have to write this book is very important that i understand where the problem lies and then i traveled all across india and that book actually is less about anything else more about my travel and the people i met and interacted if you have read and what i discovered that we are so rich in our native intelligence unfortunately this native intelligence comes from the small town middle class people and that is our real intellectual knowledge that is our wisdom unfortunately earlier a lot of writers in hindi and regional languages they wrote about it in fact if you look at all the writers of freedom movement they have written of common people whether it's of hamid or whether it's somebody else you know most of these stories are common people if you look at a hindi cinema also you will i have given lot of uh, interesting lectures on that but just to briefly if you let look at the history of indian cinema most of your actors or hero used to be son of a teacher or a farmer or a very small town jahan pe ek maa hogi jo ki religious bhi hogi aur saath mein usko value addition bhi karti hai she tells him what is right and what is wrong uski ek behan bhi hogi raki ke bhi scene honge behan bhi batayegi kya sahi hai kya galat hai aur har koi us ecosystem mein dharm ki baat karega dharm not as in religion but what is right aur ant mein usi ki jeet hogi आपका विलन भी जो होगा इट्स ऑलवेज सेट इन इंडियन सोशो पोलिटिकल रियलिटी इंडियन इथॉस वो विलन आपका कौन होगा जमींदार होगा मिल ओनर होगा कोई एक्सप्लॉयटेड एक्सप्लॉयट करने वाला अपर कास्ट होगा या राजा होगा या समथिंग लाइक दैट जर्नलिस्ट भी आप देखिए उसमें कौन थे वो जर्नलिस्ट हमेशा साइकिल में जाता होगा चप्पल पहन के गर्मी में साइकिल खराब हो जाएगी धूप में पसीना बह रहा है एंड ही फिक्स साइकिल स्टिल ही गोज पीपल आर बीटिंग इम बट ही इज चेजिंग ट्रूथ तो जो एक धर्म का जो कॉन्सेप्ट हमारा जो था धर्म मींस द 
ऑलवेज फाइटिंग एंड स्ट्रगलिंग फॉर द राइट थिंग मैं धर्म पे आऊंगा लास्ट में बट जस्ट टू स्लोली देन वॉट हैपन इन एटीज लेट एटीज आफ्टर ऑलमोस्ट वेन अमिताभ बच्चन ईरा वॉज गोइंग देर केम एब्सुल्यू लिबरलाइजेशन नाइनटीन नाइनटी वन एंड दैट्स वेन एवरीथिंग चेंज फॉर इंडिया विद लिबरलाइजेशन दो वी गॉट नाइकीज एंड रिबॉक्स एंड लिवाइज एंड रेंगलर्स एंड द मॉल्स एंड एवरीथिंग बट एट द सेम टाइम वी ऑल्सो गॉट समथिंग विच इज कॉल्ड द थ्योरी ऑफ डाउट हाउ डू यू किल सोसाइटीज ब्रिटिश नेवर केम एंड रूल्ड इंडिया इट वॉज ईस्ट इंडिया कंपनी प्राइवेट कंपनी विच केम एंड रूल्ड इंडिया इन दोज टाइम दोज प्राइवेट कंपनीज कुड हायर सोल्जर्स they could keep their own army so i think few thousand uh, people came with east india company similarly wasco they went to philippines and all these places indonesia and they uh, created their uh, the colonies there with liberalization the storytelling this war of narratives which called changed totally this world is a constantly of if you look at this the entire history of humankind is full of wars what is this war this war is about identity this war is primarily a war of narratives barbarism cannibalism versus humanism then industrial revolution came then different kind of in 40s if you see the war was there were three stories in the world one was communism fascism and capitalism from america then fascism died capitalism immediately adopted liberalism that was like a pseudo company you know like like in advertising you can't handle two clients so what you do is you start another company with another name but actually it's the same people same company same ideology and then communism they came with socialism equality justice liberty these kind of concepts these were the two stories and the world was fighting with these two stories india was all struggling with these two theories nehru ji brought one story and he said no this is very good socialism is very good and the entire india because we were in the honeymoon period we started believing in it nehruism became like a cult uh, political ideology or economic ideology but then in liberalization came the whole game changed unfortunately we were not aware of it it's not a war between left and right anymore don't be confused anybody who's telling you doesn't know what is happening in the world left and right war should is limited only to tv debates it sounds very good there a congress ka usko hum left bolte the jabki wo left hai nahi hum bjp ko right bolte the jabki wo puri tarah se right hai nahi right this left the war is between globalization and nationalism that is what the modern world that is the crisis that is the war we are facing now what globalization wants globalization wants two things because it is all run by corporate houses their god is neither jesus nor mohammed nor karl marx their so globalization needs standardization and uniformity correct suppose if you go to different gas pumps and there are different kind of pipes you can't fill suppose coca cola bottle comes in different sizes of glasses and different caps you can't you just cannot do business by that so they want global 
Globalization wants standardization. Everything has to be to the specifics all over the world. Same language, same belief, same culture, same everything, same aspiration. That is their strategy. And more or less, this internet technology has been able to achieve that. Wherever you go in the world, you will find there is something common all across the world. Be it products, be it certain kind of thinking, the definitions of justice and liberty and equality are more or less all over the world are the same. Now in India there is a very peculiar situation. Globalization is very easy to accomplish in America, in Europe, in all these countries or extremely poor countries like Africa and all. But India, the problem is, India is based on family system. Now every family is sort of a complete unit by itself. Now family means there cannot be standardization. Right? Everybody is different and we learned to create a unit where you have different aspirations, different talents, different uh, problems, different struggles and then we come together and we'll say we'll collaborate, help each other. Right? To grow together, to protect ourselves together, to create our identity together. Now that's where everything fails. Everybody has different, so it's difficult to standardize that. Then all families have their own value systems. Different value systems. Certain kind of families will follow certain value system. Now that's where the problem comes. Because globalization, what they have done is, their success came when they cracked the family system. When they broke the family system. Family system has a lot of moral and ethical baggage. Aise ni bolo, waise ni bolo, inse aise baat karo. Ye hamare parivar mein aise hota hai. Hamare parivar ki ladki usse aise ni kar sakte. So we have lots of our own laws. Now globalization and capitalism, whatever you want to call it, they basically focused on individuals. That's why they talk about individual rights. Why? The minute you talk about individual freedom, you have no moral or ethical um, baggage. You have no moral responsibility. There is no con concept of collaboration for the evolution of the society. It sets you free. And that's why you will find in social media, in Twitter and all these places, anybody will come and he'll say anything. He'll say, this is bad, this is wrong. Because all these people are victims of that individualistic society. They say, I don't like it. Social media tradition people who want teenager kind of freedom. They want freedom from everything. Now this is the problem. Somewhere, these so-called socialist, communist, liberalization, anybody who talks about equality basically comes from the same school. The names can be very different. In India, they realize that there is a whole, the entire millennials, this, who don't know history anyway, I'm, see, moving ahead. I'm, because that chapter you have finished, so I'm moving ahead, what is happening? So in last 60, 70 years, because when Indira Gandhi was weak, she had to compromise with communist people, right, that you support me, when emergency ki baat hui. Now, communists basically, Supported in return of taking education and the entire intellectual narrative space. 
That's why Narul Hassan and all these leftist vice chancellors, leftist education secretaries, leftist culture secretaries, almost in all Congress-governed state, if you read their history, which I have done in detail, in those times, you'll find all communists were not Congress. उस जमाने के जो कांग्रेसी थे मैं बताऊं वो सब नेशनलिस्ट थे आप कितनी भी आप उनको बुराई करें पर ऑल ऑफ देम शंकर दयाल शर्मा एंड ऑल दीस पीपल दे वर नॉट एंटी नेशनल दे नेवर अरे जनरल साहब जैसे लोगों तो वो झुक के ही बात करेंगे वो ऐसे नहीं थे एरोगेंस से घुसेंगे बट दीस कम्युनिस्ट्स वर रनिंग अ प्रॉक्सी वॉर अगेंस्ट हिंदू सिविलाइजेशन देयर प्रॉब्लम विद वाज विद दिस सिविलाइजेशन एंड आई विल टेल यू व्हाई द प्रॉब्लम वाज इफ यू लुक एट द हिस्ट्री ऑफ कॉलोनाइजेशन वेयर एवर दीज कॉलोनाइजर्स चाहे वो ब्रिटिश हो चाहे डच हो जो भी हो बेसिकली सब क्रिश्चियंस थे वो वेयर एवर दे वेंट ऑल दो सोसाइटीज एंड कंट्रीज टर्न क्रिश्चियन वेयर एवर इस्लामिक इन्वेडर्स वेंट चाहे मुगल हो चाहे टर्किश हो चाहे कहीं से भी आए हो दुनिया में वेयर एवर दे वेंट ऑल दो सोसाइटीज बिकेम इस्लामिक सोसाइटीज वाई क्योंकि उनका जो समाज था Their society was governed by one person, the ruler, the king, or whoever, president, or whoever. Their entire society was politically governed. It was a constitutional society, or it was a political society. इसलिए उसने राजा को मारा, राजा को हराया, and he, that country immediately turned into Christianity or Islamism or whatever. India may the longest time they spent here, both Islamic and Christian invaders, thousand years. they had arms they had power they had everything with them but when they left most of the india almost 90% of the india was a hindu society it's the only exception in the entire history of colonization why did it happen because of our family system it was the root the family the organization of the temples Communities, the village that and they were self-sufficient. They didn't even care who British they, who Islamic they, who they were. Unki to community aaram se chali rahi thi. And that's why our social fabric was so strong, and they wanted to crush it. They knew these communists know that India. अगर आप देखिए मैं एक छोटा सा एग्जांपल दे दूँ मैं हार्वर्ड में जब पढ़ रहा था क्योंकि हार्वर्ड की इतनी बात है मुझे याद आ गया तो वी यूज टू रीड इन मैनेजमेंट अ लॉट ऑफ जेन थ्योरीज ऑफ मैनेजमेंट विच केम फ्रॉम जापान उस जमाने में क्या था कि वो जापान ने पूरी तरह से इंडस्ट्रियली इन्वेट कर दिया था अमेरिका को एंड दे अमेरिका वॉज वेरी वर्ड सो इंस्टेड ऑफ सेंग नो नो स्टॉप दैम एंड वील डू अव समथिंग अवर ओन दे सेट ओके लेस लर्न जैपनीज मैनेजमेंट टेक्निक्स सो वन ऑफ दैम वॉज जैन वो मैं पढ़ के आया वेन आई केम टू इंडिया मैं भी बड़े शान से यार आई नो जैपनीज थ्योरी ऑफ जेन स्टाइल ऑफ मैनेजमेंट फिर जब मैं थोड़ा बड़ा जब बच्चे होते हैं आदमी को सब अकल आती है देन आई सेट वॉट इज दिस जैन जैन इज नट इन बट ध्यान द वर्ड इज ध्यान जब बुद्ध के शिष्य लोग यहाँ से चलना शुरू किया उन लोगों ने चल के जब चाइना पहुंचे चाइना में धा नहीं है धा को चा बोलते हैं तो इट बिकेम चैन राइट एंड और सारी वियतनाम में देखिए कोरिया में सबके इसके अब्रंश और सब में कुछ चाह दहा कुछ ऐसा पूरी लिस्ट है और जब तक ये जापान पहुंचा चूंकि जापान डेबरेशन मेडिटेशन दे कॉल इट विजुअलाइजेशन विच इज बेसिकली मेडिटेशन ऑल दो थ्योरीज आर कॉल्ड I said, why we don't counter this narrative? Why don't we say this is ours? This is Indian, and that's why I created a module called "I Am Buddha: 
फॉर ग्लोबल लीडरशिप जब मैं जाके आईएम्स में और बड़े बड़े इंस्टीट्यूट में पढ़ाता हूँ और शान से उनसे बोलता हूँ कि सारी जो मैनेजमेंट थ्योरीज हैं सारी यहाँ से निकली हुई हैं और बुद्धा का यहाँ मतलब रिलीजियस बुद्धा नहीं बुद्धा मीन्स अवेकनिंग एंड लाइटनिंग आई एम बुद्धा मीन्स यू कैन एंड दैट हैज़ टू बी बेस्ड ऑन आवर ओन विजडम एंड दैट विजडम वेर इट केम फ्रॉम बट अल्टीमेटली इट केम फ्रॉम आवर ओन पीपल आवर सोसाइटी एंड दैट नेटिव विजडम आई थिंक वी शुड फाइट फॉर now we should bring it out in front of the world what is our real strength and that is the kind of new narrative we have to create and tell our children that what we have is so strong just to give you an example for example dharm hum log nationalism ki itni baat karte hain aajkal राइट right? क्यों नहीं हम लोग नेशनलिज्म को लेके एक साइंटिफिक रिसर्च ओरिएंटेड एक अच्छा स्टोरी नैरेटिव क्यों नहीं क्रिएट करते हैं इन दिस वॉर ऑफ स्टोरीज देखिए मैं स्क्रिप्ट लिखता हूँ जब फिल्म मेकिंग में एक बड़ी कॉमन सी कहावत है नॉर्मली वन पर्सन गेट्स द क्रेडिट फॉर राइटिंग अ स्टोरी बट स्टोरी इज ऑलवेज रिटन बाई टू पीपल वन हु राइट्स इट एंड द सेकेंड हु अग्रीज विद इट इसी तरह जो ये पॉलिटिकल सोशो पॉलिटिकल स्टोरीज हैं ये भी दो लोग लिखते हैं मेरी शिकायत ये है वेन दे वर राइटिंग रॉन्ग हिस्ट्री अबाउट अस वेन दे वर सेंग ऑल द रॉन्ग थिंग्स अबाउट अस to make you feel guilty for 60 why i am so angry why do i speak so much mujhe to kuch paise nahi milte main sachhi keh raha hu bahar kaam karu to main i can make lot of money but the only thing general saab i am doing is because i have grown up in this country during indira gandhi's rajiv gandhi's and all these regimes and i felt so guilty of being an hindu being an indian they ran a intellectual jihad against our civilization and that can be fought only by writing a bigger story and a grand narrative as rajiv malhotra says and i am so glad and happy you guys are doing it we need these research based products i am not making these movies sacrificing all my taking threats on my life and abuses for my family putting all my money and going bankrupt every time not knowing what to do next i am doing it only because i am convinced that you can never never ever you can win this war of narratives without successful products you need successful books you need not ki humne chhapa di aur khud baant rahe you have to believe in marketing you have to use their tools to fight with them and that's exactly what we did with urban nexal yoga we fought it with high class marketing <laughs> tashkent files when i made this film you won't believe it first of all everybody said nobody will believe in this story because nobody knows anything second they said the real audience is the youth of this country the millennials and they know nothing about lal bahadur shastri so they are not going to watch it so why make this film so nobody supported me and i that day one of the top most studios of the country the ceo of that person i won't name it for us i should not it's not correct but in my book you will find his name i told him i got up from his office and i said listen you might be the most qualified man to run the studio but i travel 20 days in a month and i go to small towns and i see look in people's eyes all the times and i know that the millennials do not know about lal bahadur shastri that's why they will want to know about lal bahadur shastri don't underestimate the millennials 
if india in whichever form is coming back the voice you are getting today if indian story is becoming strong it's because of the millennials don't be under any kind of illusion that you guys are doing it is the millennials uh, because i make film i know the business look at all the hit films in last 5 years since 2014 what are the films either those are the films which make you proud of india uri and akshay kumar films padman and all those or the films which are set in small towns okay zor laga ke hai sa badhai ho this that lukka chippi all these films are in small town why because we as parents we as the society fail to tell our children where are your roots hum agra se hain hum banaras se hain ye bolo wo bolo ye achhi baat hai par aap kitni baar unko leke gaye apne gaon mein kitni baar aapne unse ka ped pe chadho aur amiyan khao कहा आपने क्या भारत की बात करी आपने मिलेनियल्स को यह तक नहीं बताया आपने कि एंटायर बुद्धिज्म इज नथिंग बट वैदिज्म ऑफ इंडिया इज द वैदिक नॉलेज बुद्धा जस्ट स्टार्टेड प्रैक्टिसिंग अ पार्ट ऑफ इट वो तो उनके शिष्यों ने जा जाके जा जाके जा जाके किया और आप जीसस आप इन लोगों को बुराई क्यों करते हो जिन लोगों ने इंडिया में आके कन्वर्ट करते हैं आपको तो बल्कि होना चाहिए बहुत प्राउड हम भी तो गए और गए तो पूरा का पूरा ईस्ट एशिया हमने अपनी फिलोसफी अपनी नॉलेज से भर दिया चाहे वो उसे बुद्धिज्म बोलो चाहे कुछ बोलो इसलिए हमारा कॉन्फ्लिक्ट भी नहीं है वहां पे। सो इट इज रियली वेरी वेरी इंपॉर्टेंट दैट इंडिक अकेडमी अलोन कैन नॉट फाइट दिस वॉर दे कैन जस्ट कम क्रिएट दीज इवेंट्स बट आफ्टर दिस वॉर तो आई टेल यू वॉट लेफ्ट इज पीपल टू दे क्रिएट अ डाउट इन योर माइंड दिल से नहीं नहीं राम तो कभी हुए ही नहीं थे कृष्ण तो एक माइथोलॉजी है अब आप डाउट करेंगे अब आप जाके उसे गूगल में चेक करेंगे अब गूगल में जब आप चेक करेंगे तो आपको सारे वही आर्टिकल्स मिलेंगे वहां कि राम तो थे नहीं और कृष्ण तो माइथोलॉजी थे अब आप पढ़ते रहेंगे पढ़ते रहेंगे फिर व्हाट्सएप में कोई दोस्त दोस्त लिखेगा वो भी आपको डाउट क्रिएट करेगा आप खुद ही डाउट में चले जाएंगे दैट इज द फर्स्ट स्टेप और जो आदमी डाउट में होता है वो उसके दिमाग को वेपन की तरह बनाना बहुत ईजी होता है राइट एंड दैट्स वॉट दे डू एंड दे रियलाइज द रियल वेपन टूडे आज की जो लड़ाइयां हैं ये बंदूकों से नहीं लड़ी जाएंगी अब ये नया वर्ल्ड वॉर है ये बंदूकों और तोपों से नहीं लड़ी जाएंगी ये ह्यूमन माइंड से लड़ी जाएंगी और अगर आपने आइडियोलॉजिकली और कल्चरली पूरी ये सोसाइटी जिसको कि हजार साल के रूल के बाद डिस्ट्रॉय नहीं कर पाए अगर वो आपके कंट्रोल में आ गई और उसे कंट्रोल करने के लिए ज्यादा लोग नहीं लगते हैं पांच पब्लिशिंग हाउसेस राइट इंडिया में आपको मैं गिना भी सकता हूं पांच फिल्म स्टूडियोज सही है सर और पांच टीवी स्टूडियोस टीवी स्टूडियो पे भी आते हैं राइट और पांच छह ऐसे लोग जिनको आप बोले कि ये वर्ल्ड रिनाउंड स्कॉलर्स हैं और जिनने मोटी मोटी किताबें लिखी हो आपको ऐसी पांच ही बुक्स चाहिए होती ज्यादा उन्हीं पे लोग लड़ते रहते एंड दे नो वन थिंग बिकॉज वी डू नॉट है कल्चर ऑफ रिसर्च एंड डॉक्यूमेंटेशन हमारे यहां देखिए महाभारत रामायण वेद ये सब कैसे ये सब बोल बोल के आए हैं हमने आपको बोला आपने श्रुति हमारे कितना बड़ा हो रहा है पर उसकी साइंस को समझिए उसकी स्ट्रेंथ को समझिए क्यों ऐसा था क्यों नहीं लिख सकते थे भाषा तो थी तो लिख क्यों नहीं सकते थे इसलिए अच्छा और कितने टेक्स्ट लिखे भी गए उसके पीछे पूरा बिलीफ सिस्टम यह था दिट एनी टेक्स्ट एनी थ्योरी शुड हैव द स्कोप ऑफ इंप्रोवाइजेशन विथ ईच जनरेशन तो उसी मीटर में उसी मात्रा में आप उसमें अपने इंटरप्रिटेशन धीरे धीरे जोड़ सकें दैट्स वाई अवर एंशियंट टैक्स आर सो रेलिवेंट इवन टूडे 
How is Bible relevant today? How is Quran relevant today? If they were so relevant, why there is so much of war around them? Why there is so much of conflict over there? Because their relevance is gone. So therefore they are trying to create their, maintain their relevance politically and with the help of war and terrorism, whatever. हम तो वो करते नहीं है क्योंकि हमें तो पता है हाँ ठीक है ये तो अब चल रहा है हम मानते हैं इसको भाई तुम्हें राम ऐसे लगते हैं तुम उसको मान लो तुम नहीं मानना चाहते हो मत मान लो पर अल्टीमेटली हमारा बिलीफ ये है कि एक बहुत बड़ा सा गार्डन है उसमें हर तरह का फूल पनपे उसमें कैक्टस भी हो गरीब भी हो अमीर भी जैसा भी है पर बगीचा एक होना चाहिए इन लोगों की पूरी स्टोरी ये है कि जो बगीचा है इसमें सिर्फ रोजेज होने चाहिए और वो रोजेज हर कलर के होने चाहिए दैट इज द प्राइमरी डिफरेंस बिटवीन द बिलीफ वन गार्डन We say no many gardens and all these gardens together is one garden. इसीलिए भारत की कोई geographic boundary नहीं थी आप देखिए कहां से कहां फैले हुए थे हम पर चूंकि हम लोग एक नए लोग बंदूक लेके आ गए हम लड़ नहीं पाए हमारे पास बंदूक में हम बिलीव नहीं करते थे हम उनके गुलाम बन गए उसके बाद वो लोग अपनी ये डॉक्टरेंस लेके आए सारी की सारी इंटेलेक्चुअल डॉक्टरेंस लेके आए हम लोग के पास डॉक्यूमेंटेड कुछ था ही नहीं बताओ कृष्ण कितने साल पहले हुए थे पता नहीं और उस जमाने के जितने स्कॉलर्स थे वो सब मैक्सिमुलर से इन्फ्लुएंस थे ये तो पिछले पांच छह सात आठ साल में आप देखिए एकदम से सो मेनी बुक्स एंड सो मेनी नैरेटिव एंड थ्योरीज पीपल आर क्वेश्चनिंग जरा सा कोई कुछ बोलता है आज की तारीख में वो बोले ये लोग तो कैसे लोग पीछे पड़ जाते हैं वी आर काउंटरिंग इट्स अ वेरी पॉजिटिव साइन वी आर चेंजिंग इन दैट डायरेक्शन नाउ टेक्नोलॉजी इज एक्चुअली ऑल द रिसर्च ऑल द डेवलपमेंट मनी द एंटायर टेक्नोलॉजी wants to destroy our basic inherent strengths out of which one is family system and second thing is our the strength of civilization which doesn't die all the civilization in the world have perished all only two are left the continuous civilizations which are the two ones mongol and indian hindu मंगोल मतलब चाइनीज पर वहां कम्युनिज्म है तो पता ही नहीं क्या होता है अंदर हैवी सिविलाइजेशन की नहीं है वी नेवर नो but we are a open transparent liberal anybody can check we are a thriving civilization and we are moving in the direction of not just uh, materialistic uh, progress but we are also moving in a very strongly in the intellectual progress ab ek 50s mein ek conf mein lal bahadur shastri ki film mein research hum jab kar rahe the we found a document with the government of india in 50s there was a conference of all the agriculturists of the world जितने थे वर्ल्ड के इट वाज़ द कांग्रेस ऑफ दैट टाइम बिकॉज एग्रीकल्चर वाज़ वेरी इंपॉर्टेंट इन द रेजोल्यूशन दे हैव रिटन कोट एंड कोट आई एम टेलिंग यू दे हैव रिटन दैट इंडिया विल डाई ऑफ हंगर लाइक अ शीप इन अ स्लॉटर हाउस दीज आर द वर्ड्स दैट वाज इंडिया नाइनटीन टुडे वी आर द सेकेंड लार्जेस्ट फूड ग्रेन प्रोड्यूसर्स वी आर नंबर वन मिल्क प्रोड्यूसर्स वी आर अ स्ट्रॉन्ग थ्राइविंग फास्ट ग्रोइंग इकोनॉमी we have the largest number of young minds in this country we are one of the digitally most literate countries in the world we are moving in that direction who wants you to succeed so they will come with the, all their might to destroy us and that's why it's very important that we create these research based books movies articles columns tv channels whatever anything which creates more and more volume of our story is welcome and that's why you must clap for indic academy their contribution is immense now before i end before i end i just want to tell you two things 
if you all of you know i don't have to tell you in our society unlike any other kingdom in the world or any kind of sovereign country in the world we were the only country or nation or society whatever you want to call it in the world which put something above the king right in any society if you see king was supreme but there was something only in our society which was supreme and if the king don't follow that then the people of the society had the liberty to punish him and that was called dharma or dharma whatever you want to call it that dharma was the highest invisible non interfering authority which even the king was only the guardian of that dharma king was the executioner his job was only to protect the dharma any time and manu has written in manu smriti problem is that jnu teaches the kind of manu smriti which is not even manu smriti manu smriti is the first written documented laws of economics that is what manu smriti is bhai usema ne economics aaj ke jaisi thodi thi gdp and macroeconomics and microeconomics मनुस्मृति किसी ने पढ़ी नहीं अनफॉर्चुनेटली बट बिकॉज ऑफ भारत की बात आई हैड टू गो थ्रू द टैक्स मनुस्मृति बेसिकली जस्ट डिवाइड द सोसाइटी हु विल डू व्हाट इट्स लाइक इन अ प्राइवेट कंपनी यू से ये भाई सीओ होगा ये वीपी होगा आप सीओ की तो सारी एक्सप्लोइटेशन और सारी बातें मानते हो ना पावर की तो आप नहीं कहते आई एम गेटिंग एक्सप्लोइटेड आई एम अ कॉर्पोरेट स्लेव इन माइक्रोसॉफ्ट बट वेन यू डिवाइड द सोसाइटी अकॉर्डिंग टू वर्क देन यू से सो मनु इफ अ किंग बिकम्स अधर्मी then the people have the right to kill him like you kill a mad dog which society in the world had such high level of thinking tell me that democratic level of thinking that dharm is supreme then what happened to our society where is that dharm gone lot of people say that actually we have hit the abyss but that time you have to read aurobindo Aurobindo said if it's law of nature when western all these western scholars were saying that hindu civilization has reached its abyss and now there is going to be no ray of hope for this civilization then aurobindo said something very interesting and he said that if falling down to the abyss is the law of nature then a electric rise is also a law of nature and today india has begun that journey of like aurobindo aurobindo visualized the electric rise of dharma and in this these kind of satsangs these kind of events are very important but hum logon ne itna bola hai free mein to ab aapko ki duty mein batata hu kya hai pehle to mujhe ye bataiye when was the last time you gifted some books to young people in your family relatives kaun log hai haath bataiye utha ke imandari se that's not very good number and you still want indian narrative to win bataiye kaise hoga agar aap apne bacche ke janmdin mein bollywood ke gaane bajayenge aur fir bollywood ko gaali denge to kaise chalega to we have to look in also two things you have to do number one stop all these tv channels in your house sorry sir <laughs> it's very entertaining and very interesting you know at sit down at night and for 2 hours to enjoy all that gali galoj and all kinds of things but don't fall i am telling you very sincerely and mai mai saraswati ko manta hu aur kisi ko vishv mein nahi manta hu saraswati geographically sook gayi thi par mai aap se haath jod ke nivedan karta hu jo saraswati aur jo gyan ki ganga hamare samaj hamare civilization mein behti hai usko mat sookne dijiye usko sukhane ka kaam 
उस सरस्वती को सुखाने का काम हमारा मीडिया बहुत जोर शोर से कर रहा है बिकॉज ऑल दिस मीडिया डायरेक्टली और इनडायरेक्टली इज फंडेड बाई इधर इस्लामिक टेरर मनी और कम्युनिस्ट रेड टेरर मनी और बाई दिस प्रॉफिट हंगरी कॉर्पोरेट ग्लोबलाइजेशन प्रीचर्स यू नो कोई भी हो और आज नहीं तो कल उसने वहां मिलना ही मिलना है वो बच ही नहीं सकता वो समुंदर ऐसा है उसमें आपको जाना ही जाना है इसलिए मत पढ़िए उसका एक रीजन है बिकॉज टूडेज टूडेज मीडिया विच यू थिंक इज एक्चुअली टॉकिंग ऑन योर बिहाफ विल बिकम टूमोरोज बैगेज वॉट हैपन विद कम्युनिस्ट एंड लेफ्टिस्ट पीपल वॉट हैपन टू द लेफ्ट मीडिया टूडे इट्स बिकम देयर बैगेज दे कान लीव इट दे कान डाइजेस्ट इट दे कान डू एनीथिंग अबाउट इट बिकॉज इट्स नॉट करेक्ट धर्म अपने दिल पर हाथ रख के बोलिए आप मुझे ईमानदारी से बताइए कि जो मीडिया करता है रोज रात को चाहे इधर का हो चाहे उधर का हो चाहे कहीं का भी हो क्या वो सही है क्या जर्नलिज्म ऐसे होनी चाहिए जर्नलिज्म का काम है फैक्ट्स फर्स्ट नैरेटिव लेटर दिस मीडिया डज नैरेटिव फर्स्ट फैक्ट्स नेवर आप अपने बच्चों को बोलेंगे अच्छा मुझे ईमानदारी से देखिए सिंस आई टॉक ईमानदारी से बताइए क्या आप अपने बच्चे को या अपने ग्रैंडचाइल्ड को कभी बोलेंगे कि बड़े होकर ऐसा जर्नलिस्ट बनना एक नाम बताइए किसके जैसा बनना बताइए आप मुझे विल यू एवर टेक योर ग्रैंड फादर और फादर और ताऊजी और समबडी टू अ डॉक्टर फॉर बाईपास सर्जरी Who has never done any research, never been to a research conference? Who has never read any book, latest book? Will you do such a thing? So in media, me, no one on TV channel, see and take and tell me which research department is. Ask them how much money they spend on research. Do you spend ten rupees on research? Oh, those girls and boys sitting over there googling and picking up my tweets and creating a news is not research. They are all fighting for BJP. they are not fighting for indic renaissance your heart your mission your aspiration should be for an indic renaissance and not just the victory of bjp victory of bjp is a one of the aspects of that but when we started this struggle in 2014 when indic academy started all of us came together the whole thing was about to bring about an indic renaissance पर हम जब बुक्स ही नहीं गिफ्ट करेंगे मेरी फिल्म आप देखिए किसी ने सपोर्ट नहीं करी ढाई सौ स्क्रीन में रिलीज हुई इट वॉज अ बिग स्ट्रगल दैट्स अनदर थिंग लेकिन वेन वी द फिल्म केम द सेवेंटी परसेंट ऑफ अवर रेवेन्यू केम ओनली फ्रॉम मिलेनियल्स जिसको सब कह रहे थे कुछ जानना नहीं चाहते इस धोखे में मत रहिए बच्चे पढ़ते नहीं है आप दीजिए तो उनको बुक्स खरीद के वाई कांट यू गिव दैम फ्यू बुक्स देर डोंट कॉस्ट मच Give them those books. देती जाइए देती जाइए नहीं पढ़ेंगे नहीं पढ़ेंगे एक दिन आएगा दे विल रीड बुक्स दे विल स्टार्ट अंडरस्टैंडिंग दैम एंड दैट इज द डे वैन वी शुड टॉक अबाउट इंडिक अदरवाइज विल कीप ब्लेमिंग अदर्स इसलिए मैं डरता ही नहीं मैं कभी नहीं बोलता वो गलत है या ये गलत है मैं सीधे सीधे जाके एक ही बात बोलता हूं अबाउट अवर स्ट्रेंथ एंड अवर स्ट्रेंथ इज दैट वी आर द लॉन्गेस्ट सर्वाइविंग लिबरल inclusive scientific and progressive civilization and that is the only story that is the only story which needs to be told there is no when you are number 1 you don't have to prove anything and only when we'll believe in it we'll have a dream to become vishguru and then we'll also find our individual paths how to reach there it will be a collective consciousness that will come only when all of us are on the same page 
सो थैंक यू वेरी मच फॉर बींग हियर मेरा ड्रीम यह है जनरल साहब मेरा ड्रीम ये है मेरा पर्सनल ड्रीम ये है मैं कम जगह बोलता हूँ क्योंकि आजकल लोग इतने फनेटिक होते हैं जरा भी कुछ बोलो तो मारने आते हैं मेरा ड्रीम ये है हम लोगों को अगले कुछ वर्षों तक भारत माता की जय बोलना ही नहीं चाहिए हम लोगों को वो काम करना चाहिए कि एक दिन आए जब पूरा की पूरी दुनिया बोले भारत माता की जय और वो आई एम सॉरी मैं भूल जाता एक बात बोलना मैं बोलना चाहता हूं और वो तभी संभव है जब हम सब नेशनल इंटरेस्ट के काम में करें और वो नेशनलिज्म क्या है वो नेशनलिज्म किसी को गाली देना नहीं है दैट नेशनलिज्म इज नॉट अब्यूजिंग अदर्स फाइटिंग कॉन्फ्लिक्टिंग वो टीवी डिबेट के लिए छोड़ दीजिए नेशनलिज्म बड़ी सिंपल चीज है नेशनलिज्म ये है कि आप जो भी काम करते हैं क्या उससे इस कंट्री की एफिशियंसी बढ़ती है क्या प्रोडक्टिविटी बढ़ती है अगर आपने किसी से बोला आई एल मीट यू एट फाइव ओ क्लॉक डू यू रीच देर एट फाइव ओ क्लॉक आर यू मैन ऑफ इंटेग्रिटी क्या आप अपना धर्म निभा रहे हैं कि नहीं निभा रहे हैं कोई दुनिया में नहीं देखता हूं कोई कैमरा नहीं हो अगर रेड लाइट है डू यू स्टिल जम्प द रेड लाइट और यू डोंट क्या आप सड़क पर खड़े हुए बिना बात के हॉर्न बजा बजा के बजा बजा के और पॉल्यूशन नॉइस पॉल्यूशन बढ़ाते हैं और जब बहुत चिड़ जाते हैं तो उठ के सिटी को गाली देने लगते हैं ट्विटर के ऊपर कि आपने क्या ये नॉइस पॉल्यूशन होता है यार ट्रैफिक खराब है आर वी डूइंग दैट इट्स वेरी इंपॉर्टेंट फॉर ऑल ऑफ अस टू गेट आउट ऑफ दिस टूपेड नॉइस द मिनट यू कट ऑफ दिस एंड यू स्टार्ट thinking that whatever i am doing is it in national interest is it increasing the efficiency of this country is it increasing the productivity is it taking us making us morally stronger is it giving a one upmanship morally without moral one upmanship you can never win this war if they talk about equality justice liberty and all those things and make you feel embarrassed just talk about one thing dharm kana main dharm ke raste pe chal raha hu kya tum chal rahe ho That day your story will fill. Thank you. Brilliant as ever, and a natural storyteller as Vivek ji is. Thank you so much for the kind words for Indic Academy. We have uh, been on this struggle journey together. What we are today. Before we move. forward uh, for the vote of thanks i would like to invite dr yogini deshpande the convener of indic academy mumbai the backbone of uh, all the activities that happen in mumbai a strong diligent determined lady who takes time out of her busy professional schedule to organize all these events i would like to invite her so she doesn't like to be <laughs> praise too much but i take this opportunity and invite her uh, to speak namaskar good evening uh, thank you everybody for being here on a saturday afternoon we started a little bit a uh, bit late uh, sorry about that um i just want to take about few minutes to give you an idea about what indic academy is uh some of you are repeat uh, audience uh, i can see a few familiar faces and i'm very thankful for being supportive uh, of the different initiatives that we have been doing over the past 4 years as um vivek ji mentioned earlier indic book uh, indic academy started as indic book club um and we were just a bunch of people who wanted to read and understand what we should read 
And once we started digging into this uh, thing of what we should read to understand our own history, we realized that there was a lot of books that we didn't want to read. So now the next question was then, so where are the books that we would want to read? Well, we realized that many books were out of print. Why were they out of print? Because nobody was buying them. Um, or that nobody had, had, had found a voice to be able to publish something interesting, which is what we talked about earlier, uh, Dr. Shrikant Telegariji, that was some of his books, um, I don't think any of the mainstream publishers cared to publish them. And it was only uh, Voice of India, a small publication house, uh, which was started by uh, Sitaram Goelji that, that published his books. So there were all these different things that we came across. And then we said, OK, we need to take this to a broader spectrum and under, be able to develop a system where we are able to create the research, promote the research, and develop the research. So essentially, Indic Academy, in the past five years, I mean, we've, we've got a good identity of ourselves today, is a university in a non-university way. What we are doing is we are trying to preserve, protect, and promote what is Indic civilization. Now, who is an Indic? An Indic is somebody who celebrates India's civilization, somebody who would want to promote it in a, uh, a perfected research way. And how are we doing that? We're doing it on three different levels. So first I mentioned was about preserve, pro protect, and promote. The second is we're looking at it from an intellectual, cultural, and spiritual way. And the third one that we're looking at it is with a near-term goals, medium-term goals, and long-term goals. In that, when I speak of preserve, protect, and promote the Indic civilization, identity, thought, and values, what we're looking at is transforming thinkers, nurturing networks, and promoting platforms Transforming thinkers is developing younger thought pro uh, leaders, developing younger researchers. And amongst us today in our audience is one such person that I have had the privilege and I uh, uh, very delight in being able to promote is Ms. Neha Nagarkar. Sneha, if you could please stand. She is, she is MA in Sanskrit and History and she's pursuing a PhD. Um, a few months back, Indic Academy pr uh, promoted and helped her do a, um, an initiative that she wanted to do, which was essentially holding a workshop for young children. And, she, and I, it, it, was, it was very enthralling to see a young woman say that I will hold a workshop for children between 8 to 12. I wouldn't want to take that responsibility. For seven days, she was with young children, and she taught them about our Atihas, our Puranas. And Indic Academy chose to promote it and help her out in doing this workshop. We are now looking to help her travel to different cities um, and take this workshop idea of hers for other children in different other cities. She's also now being uh, uh, taken, um, given a grant to be a, a sort of, you know, in a very layman term, but that is not really the right way to put it up, and be as a tourist guide for an Indic Yatra in Varanasi, I believe. So this is how we're trying to nurture and develop young people, young thought leaders, who will do good research and be able to promote it ahead. We're looking to nurture networks and promote different types of platforms, depending on what work they're doing. We're looking to transform thinkers, 
research, rigor, and respect, three things that we look into in a researcher, that we expect them to do good research, we expect to, that research to have a good rigor, and have a respect to a different thought process too, so that the rigor can be, again, multiplied multiple times. We're looking to develop nurturing networks. As Vivekji mentioned earlier, um, one of the initial first successes of Endic Academy was obviously Urban Naxals. You know, when uh, the first event that I did in Mumbai was in 2017, uh, where only about, I think, about 16 people turned up. It was a young upcoming author who had done a, who had done a, written a book on Panchatatra. Uh, Urban Naxal event that we did eventually, I think, was the fourth or the fifth event that we did. I thought about 70 people might turn up, 170 people turned up. And it was a very interesting event. So we've gone from strength to strength in different ways, but we are not just looking at uh, networking or uh, you know, supporting work, what Vivekji has been doing, but also looking to support younger researchers in the same way and help them connect, co cooperate, and collaborate with different others. Again, how are we doing the collaboration part? We've, uh, we have set up the Indic Knowledge Systems and the Indic Knowledge University with the MIT University of Pune. So th there we are helping researchers get fellowships to either work with the university directly. We are, correct, uh, we are holding conferences and workshops for different uh, subjects or, uh, within the Indic civilization. So eventually what we're doing is a researcher should then be able to express, educate, and uh, entertain in different ways. An idea is able to reach to the masses only when you send it through a little bit of an entertainment. You had bards, you had you know, traveling uh, storytellers who would tell stories, Rani Chittor ki jo kahani hai, ya Jhansi ki Rani ki jo kahani hai that has traveled so long and so far, or even the Ramayana, is partly because of the traveling bars, the stories that they would tell. A researcher eventually is somebody like that. And what we try to do is ensure that the story is reached to the masses in different ways. So this is a little bit about Indic Academy. I would request you to go visit indicacademy.org. The media platform for, of Indic Academy is indictoday.com, for which I am the editor of. So I would request if you are a good writer, please do submit your write-ups uh, specifically related to the Indic civilization. We also are looking for rever reviewers of books. Long-form uh, write-ups are typically what is preferred by Indic Today because we're looking at a rigor in the research work that has been, would be published. With that, I would take this opportunity to give a vote of thanks to the trustees um, of the uh, Andheri Recreation Club, um, honorary, uh, Trustee Honorary President Sri Vansibhai uh, Vaidya, I think he has left, uh, Honorary Secretary Sri Vinod Mehta, um, Honorary Vice President Sri Bhagat Mehta, Bharat Mehta, and the Governing Council Member Sri Purav Mehta ji for providing us with all this, um, uh, <clears throat> all the infrastructure for this particular um, event. I now call upon um, uh, Kaushal and Amdar to please give a, um, uh, this uh, memento from Indic Academy to General Bakshi ji. I 
now call upon Dr. Amit Thirani um, to please give a memento to uh, Sri Talagarajri, Dr. Talagarajri. Um, please give a big round of applause for one of our volunteers, Mrs. Shobana Voraji, who's been very instrumental in setting up this whole event. And I call upon her to give a memento to um, Sri Chavra. And I would ask uh, Vijay to please give a uh, memento to uh, Vivek Angyotriji. One thing I would like to please mention, make a mention over here, um, Indic Academy and especially all these events and everything are done by all volunteers over here. So each, uh, please give a round of applause to, uh, again to uh, Mrs. Shobna Voraji, Vijay Patalji, Chandrahas Halai over here. Um, he, in fact, recently had a great loss and he's still been here for the event. So I'm very thankful that everybody is here uh, for this particular event. Um, thank you and we will see you soon. There is a uh, register outside. If you have not put your email ID and your phone number, please uh, leave it to us so that we can give you a call next time for the next event. Thank you. Oh, yes, I'm so sorry. One person that I have to definitely say thank you to is uh, Sandeep Patel, who has uh, been the official escort um, and the guide for uh, Mr. G.D. Bakshi in the city since his arrival. Thank you, Sandeep. Yes.